We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. The honest answer is we don't know to what degree, but we do know the history of this, and history is one of the best teachers that we have. Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, August 10th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. A bit of a focus show today. There was a lot going on. There was actually only one real reason that I decided to do this today, despite the fact that I am trying to push myself to do more and more these days. And that's because somebody in the chat, you know who you are, sent me a fantastic video. I'll give her a shout towards the end of the show. That really, it, it was emotional, actually. And I'll show you what I mean towards the end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned. It shouldn't actually be as long as, as most shows. I'm hoping to make this, you know, <laughs> well, well, not even going to do that because then I'll go too long. But it's a video that was very powerful for me. And it, and it really kind of made me reflect on why we do this. And, and it was... It, kind of realizing the weight of dealing with covering all of the pain and suffering and, and torture and murder and all the things that are being done largely at the hands of our governments and, and being lied to about it. And it just, you know, it was just weighing on me and I hadn't even realized that. And, and it kind of just motivated me as it often does to, to jump to and, and work even more than usual. But a lot of things that I already had put together, I'm going to talk about today, but some one that really kind of st- I think everybody's talking about, well, two things, really. One of them has to do with Sam Harris, which we'll talk about in the context of Pfizer. But the Twitter discussion that's up today, I think, is really important. We're going to start with. And it's not just because Twitter or the Twitter itself is important in the context of, well, it is important in the sense that it's something that is being used to manipulate people. And that's how I mean it. And I think it's important to cover what Yaccarino just said and what it really means in the bigger picture. And, and how this is going to be used. And it's not even just Twitter right now, but we're going to go through this to start. We're going to talk about a really important discussion from Pfizer. A couple of more clips still coming out of the Pfizer hearings in Australia. I mean, I'm literally just Malcolm and Rennick in particular. I am just blown away. The questions that they are asking are, I don't see anybody else, no one in the U.S. Congress, no one anywhere really other than them in Congress or in, a, in a, an authority position asking the kind of questions that they are. This doesn't mean that we should assume that they're on your side. We have to always question everything, but it's exposing a lot, even even in particular because the way Pfizer refuses to answer some questions that they should be required to, if you ask me. We're going to talk about how this connects to the conversation of climate change and something that a scientist just came out and said. The New York Post just wrote about it and something we already know, that this is all manufactured. But the fact that it's coming out of a climate scientist admitting this after she was once one of the people they were holding up, it's important. We're going to talk about what that's still being used for and how that intersects with the digital ID 
And now that digital ID intersects with all the stuff that we touched on at the Pirate Stream uh, last Pirate Stream episode, as well as on AM Wake Up, and kind of dive in a little deeper and give you all the source material so you guys can use it as you see fit and show you where I see this going. And we'll end with, the, with, this, with that song and a shout out to the person that made it in hopes that we can raise him up as well. So let's start with this clip from Yakarino and a shout out to Misty here, who first where I first saw this. She says, what a load of effing garbage. I'm going to go ahead and accept all the apologies I will never get from the Elon Musk fanboys who tried to pretend he will was some free speech savior who was going to make Twitter, not X, Twitter, better. Well, here's what she means. This is a clip from Linda Yaccarino, the new CEO of Twitter. You know, the, the World Economic Forum, pro-vaccine, pro-mandate, pro-mask, pro-censorship, pro-everything that we seem to think this platform isn't, or some people. And here's what she has to say. Staggeringly, they take it down. And that reducing that hateful content from being seen is one of the best examples how X is committed to encouraging healthy behavior online. And which is called social engineering, right? You, you, can, you can agree with it. You can think it's a great thing. It's still called social engineering, right? ESG, social credit scores, it's all the same thing. Even if you believe in it, even if you think it's great, you are surreptitiously, in a way, trying to influence people's decisions usually in ways they don't notice because you've decided what the right thing to do is. This is your free speech platform. Today, I can confidently sit in front of you and say that this is committed to encouraging healthy behavior online. And today, I can confidently sit in front of you and say that 99.9% of all posted impressions are healthy. How do you define healthy, though? Is porn healthy? Are conspiracy theories healthy? You know, it goes back to my point. Of- what, what does healthy content mean? What does it even matter? In the context of whether or not this is a free speech platform, and yes, we'll get into the, the ridiculous argument of free speech versus free, freedom of reach, which is all the same thing. And, and there's precedents and legal cases that have ruled that exact point. The freedom of reach is, in fact, part of freedom of speech, and they know that. And I'll show you exactly why it appears that Elon Musk came out right out of the gate and made that distinction. It's part of the ADL's point. That's where it comes from. About our success with freedom of speech, not reach. And if, it's, if it is lawful, but it's awful, it's extraordinarily difficult for you to see it. But how many millions of people follow Kanye West? Lawful but awful. And he's allowed back on. Take so, it down. Oops. Ah, dang it. Sorry. I didn't mean to hit the back button. But just so we're clear on that. So that's there's doesn't matter what anybody these as as star as as Misty puts it, the fanboys out there. No matter doesn't matter what anybody's saying. That is as clear as it gets. You are deranking, delisting, shadow banning, suppressing anything that they decide is not healthy. Is that outlined in their metrics somewhere? I mean, I look, in my opinion, this platform right now is as bad as it's ever been. That's hard for some people to wrap their mind on, especially as I seem to have my account back, right? So people go, how can you say that when you're out there tweeting? Well, it's not really about me or whether I'm able to engage. It's about the bigger picture. And the reality to me seems quite clear that this is 
It's it may feel like certain things are allowed to flow and it looks like engagement's happening, but it's very, very, very manipulative. And I think that's the whole point. It's like letting you think that you're running free when you're really it's you're running. You know, I don't know what's the best analogy. It's like that picture they have of the voting system where you got cows going into two different doors, you know, left and right. And they all both funnel into the, the slaughtering house. Right. The point is that you feel like you're making these choices, but ultimately there's something that's guiding that. So you have all these choices, but really there's a hundred thousand different choices you're not seeing. And all those five you're picking from lead you in the same direction. It's social engineering. It's predictive programming. It's all the things we've talked about. So that's what's happening. And I find that far more concerning and chilling than just ham fisted, clumsy censorship, which is where it began. Now that's still happening, by the way. That's the first thing not to forget. All the people screaming, thank you, Elon, for my free speech, which that's something he gives you, by the way. It's inherent. They can choose to respect it or not. And Twitter isn't. When they get to pick and choose and decide who gets what and who doesn't, even as they violate or ignore their own rules. Like, for instance, with the ad revenue conversation, right? I've made this clear before. I've spoken to many people myself personally. I've seen at least two of them myself where these people fell into some rule where they weren't allowed ad revenue, whether it was because they were censored before or whatever, X, Y, and Z, all the different, whatever the things were, they were denied it. And it was clear why. They reached out to somebody. They're a high-ranking, right-leaning person. And they just said, hey, can I get it? And they go, okay. And they just let them have it and retroactively give them that ad revenue. I know of four people, actually, that have said that happened. Two that I can prove. So, what does that mean? It means that there's no guidelines. It's just completely whatever they decide that day. That's not anything regarding that may be okay for people that are in that club, but for everybody else, it's not the same thing. And in fact, again, it's worse than it was before because at least before we were pretty clear about what was happening as much as they were lying about it. But you know, that's my personal perspective, whether you think it's worse or not. Let's be real about what this is actually, what's actually happening. I'm not even going to get into my weird unique situation because it never seems it seems like I'm always the one that has the one weird thing that nobody else is dealing with however that seems to happen so it's not even worth getting into because it's unique and I only I really don't even know anybody else in the weird situation that I'm in where I've got the blue check but I don't and they're telling me it's a weird glitch and we don't know why I can't re-sign up I can't stop it it's just blah 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 I've gone over a million times I don't know haven't I signed up in the beginning never paid once I don't I would (laughs) have like I said I would but I haven't and I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm artificially held here. But again, I'm not going to go deep. There's a whole bunch to get into. It's very strange. Not added to communities. I'm like this persona non grata, it feels. But I'm sure there's other people out there in the same boat. I just think there's some of us out there in certain categories that are treated very, very differently. But really, a lot of people, both right and left, are aware of this. And weirdly, the people that they are on their side, if they're in the two-party illusion, don't care. There's, I mean, what's her name? Um, Dr. Anastasia. I forget the, the full name. Anyway. She, she, she's prominent account, large account, very right wing, pointing out a lot of good stuff about COVID, right? But she went afoul of the transgender conversation, was posting all sorts of stuff that they don't want you talking about. And now she's like shadow banned. I don't even see her anymore on Twitter. She's always, I look at her account. She's prolific. Doesn't get ad revenue. Doesn't get anything. And she's screaming about it. Nobody cares. We're all the right leaning people that were patting her on the back before. Suddenly she's not in the club anymore. And she didn't even count. This is the problem with this partisanship, with the game that's played, the team sport politics. I really believe most people are beginning to see through it. But this is still happening, and we need to be aware of it. But awful. And he's allowed... Awful. It's extraordinarily difficult for you to see it. But how many millions of people follow Kanye West? Lawful, but awful. And he's allowed back on. 
You know, Kanye, who hasn't rejoined the platform yet, but is planning to do so, um, will operate within the very specific policies that we have established, that we're clear on, that everyone who's watching this or listening on spaces can access themselves. And we have an extraordinary team of people who are overseeing hands-on keyboards, monitoring all day, every day, to make sure that that 99.99% of impressions um, remain at that number. That, that's censorship. Plain and simple. There's, they're watching what you're doing, and they are deranking, and in fact, completely removing things that if it goes too far. I mean, how are you going to know that, yeah, so yeah, he's going to come back, and he already has, he swore up and down that he would follow all the rules? I highly doubt that, first of all, but... He remember he was censored for saying love everybody and posting an image that they misunderstood and made a very clear statement early on, not under Yaccarino, but under Elon Musk. He posted an image that had nothing to do with Nazism, and there are images of Nazi symbols right now all over Ukraine accounts, but others too, and they don't care about that. I guess if they say love everyone, they'll get censored. Maybe that makes sense, because that's what happened. But over all of that, what, what do you mean le- legal, but... What, what did they say? What did they frame it as again? Legal, but... Dang it. Hold on. I'm yet but is planning to do so. He joined the platform. You know, Kanye... Millions of people follow Kanye West. Lawful, but awful. Lawful, but awful. Really think about that. So they're literally telling you, you're doing nothing wrong. Right? You're not violating the guidelines. You're not violating the terms of service. You're not even breaking the law. But we just don't like it. So we're going to go ahead and say, you're not allowed to say those things. But we're not even going to tell you that. We're just going to secretly shove you in the corner. So you have no idea. So how would you even understand? Oh, because you're sitting there in the corner and no one's paying attention. This is ridiculous. I mean, this is my point. That's way crazier than just blocking you all of a sudden or censoring you all of a sudden, right? I mean, in my opinion, because it's surreptitious and it drives you to certain actions without even understanding why. They are literally engineering the way you act on this platform. That's what I kind of been talking about, about the way we see things differently than each per. If you compare your Twitter platform to other somebody else's phone, and I swear to you, even if you follow exactly the same people, you will see a different platform. Now, that's not even to get into like the way they try to like put ads in front of you or cultivate it the way you interact. I'd be willing to bet you, and I don't know this for sure, that if you had two phones identical and you set them up exactly the same way and just had them in different locations or owned by somebody else, they would look differently. That's my opinion. But I think we all see that happening right now. This is an alarming level of social engineering happening. And don't forget, as we're going to end today, all of this overlaps with the Great Reset. I mean, everything, all of this, Elon's projects, the stuff they're doing on this platform in general. I mean, literally, Elon personally overlaps with just about every single talking point to the Great Reset. I don't know why we don't care about that. Or, you know, they, I should say, people that aren't watching the show. And he's allowed back on. You know, Kanye, who hasn't rejoined the platform yet, but is planning to do so, um, will operate within the very specific policies that that we have established, that we're clear on, that everyone who's watching this or listening on spaces can access themselves. And we have an extraordinary team of people who are overseeing hands-on keyboards, monitoring all day, every day to make sure that that 99.99% of impressions um, remain at that number. But we also have to remember what's at the core of free expression. You might not agree with what everyone is saying, 
We want to make it a healthy debate and discourse. But free expression at its core will really, really only survive when someone you don't agree with says something you don't agree with. And what a great... They're saying that as a platform that's quite literally choosing what they don't agree with and deranking it and removing it. How in the how do you even have the nerve to sit there and act like that's what you're saying? So you all can do that, but we're not. We're going to be the ones that actually decide what you're allowed to see or not. And then you can all pretend like you're being confronted with things you don't agree with and get to decide. But from within a selected controlled area, you're, you're like a baby in a playpen acting like you live in the world. It's like the child with the fake steering wheel in the car. They are literally controlling your direction. Place we would live in if we were able to return to a healthy, constructive discourse amongst people that we don't agree with. Yeah, that's what was going on before. Maybe not healthy or constructive because of the way it was being engineered into division. But if people are allowed to have conversations, especially with people that agree with, and no matter how extreme, that is what actually creates something new. Not what they're doing. What they're doing is creating what they want to create pretending like they're allowing this to be something organic i mean this is just alarmingly surreptitious guys and it's why well, i shouldn't even say surreptitious they're straight up telling you what they're doing but it's surreptitious in the sense that they don't tell you why right this is about what's happening behind it all right let's not forget i interviewed sam husseini who was he's been on this from the moment this all started elon musk savior of free speech or the great digital divider this was december 16 2022 i recommend you follow sam husseini as well as check out this interview but the main point of this was about exactly that point from a legal standpoint, the idea of freedom of reach and freedom of speech as one thing because that's what they are. So the moment he stepped in and all the fanboys jumped on and said, you're dumb, you don't understand, those are two different things because they're just saying what they're supposed to say and people got scared back into their corners. The reality is you can very clearly prove, as we did in this discussion, that that is one in the same. And the moment they broke those in half, they stopped giving you or you know, respecting your free speech. It's very important. Now, here is what Elon Musk said in November 18, 2022, when this was first rolled out. New Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. Just in case we're going to dispute that he actually said that. It's right there. Negative hate tweets will be max deboosted, demonetized. This is well before Yaccarino. Let's not pretend it's all the weft lady, right? He's straight up telling you we're going to censor hate speech. What, where, were all the, where were all the right-leaning people screaming that was bad last time Twitter was open? Right. Wasn't Jack the bad guy for censoring hate speech? And now Twitter comes up. Elon steps in and says, we're censoring hate speech. They're like, yay, free speech. Or all the idiots did. Right. The people that are smart were like, wait a minute, that's concerning because that's the same thing. But then a lot of those people chose not to speak up because all the strong. Well, anyway, all the people out there that are going to run right over everybody with their conversation. So no ads to other revenue to Twitter. Or just if they don't like you, you know, like me, where we're not even involved because, well, but anyway, there's a whole conversation to be had about whether we should even want to involve ourselves in this conversation of revenue coming from a platform that's trying to engineer what you're doing. You won't find the tweet unless you specifically seek it out, which is no different from the rest, except that's not even what she just said, is it? She said it'll be impossible to find, not just where you can go to the link. I'm willing to bet you it's going to be the link won't load or air message or exactly what we already think we're seeing. This is the problem. Now, Let's show you something even more interesting. This is Kyle Undercover. I'm not familiar with the account. 5,000 followers. I just saw this today when I saw this pop up in my feed. Actually, no, that's not true. Somebody sent this to me. This was one that somebody sent to me. But either way, the point is, this is Kyle Undercover. And he says he went undercover to expose the ADL. Well, just Kyle, 
make sure you're watching out for yourself, buddy, because this group is not just some normal censorship group. But the point is that he sat down. I'm guessing with I mean, you can see like his notebook in front of him and stuff. And these are you could check these people out. It's, this is this is who we're talking about. And the notebook here is like him taking notes, I'm guessing. So I think like, you know, a book report, who knows? But this is a really interesting conversation. And here is his point was specifically in regard to their attempts to control platforms like so like like Twitter. And you're not going to be surprised with what you hear unless you're ignoring all the information that is swirling around. Their main point, well, stopping freedom of reach. Isn't that interesting? And all of the other things we're talking about and how they are influencing the outcome on this platform. This should bother anybody that that was upset about the same thing happening before. Good. Trying to. So I am the director of development. Yeah, and I'm the community manager for Arizona. Gotcha. Right, you can't keep a lock of some of these platforms like Twitter or Facebook, and then they go to Yep. And so it's kind of this balance of like keeping some of these spaces safe, but also not having them go into this like dark place where they'll just look like minded people. Yeah. And so it's this really interesting balance that we kind of continue to have about like making sure they don't go down this like rabbit hole, yeah. but also they're not spending like me at this information. Because you want them to be out in the open, because the more they're talking out in the open, the more you can stop incidents from happening. Like, we're not going to ban them, we're just probably not going to engage with them to the same degree. Wasn't that very important? So it's almost as if, oh, let's not forget, he came out and told you that he was working with the ADL and other groups to censor hate speech. So let's not let's not be confused about where Elon got this from. Right. This is what he was either told or asked. And he went along with. Here's what we want. Freedom of reach, but not freedom of speech, not freedom of reach, which is the same thing. Right. So you can scream all you want into that corner over there where no one can see you. That's fine with us. Yeah, that this is the digital version of the free speech corner, free speech cage they put you in and pretend like you've got free speech. Oh, free speech in that room over there, though. That's not free speech. Right? You don't have free or or excuse me, freedom, any free, any constitutional right, whether you're right to protest or any of these things. They can't just put you in a certain designated area. That's not what the Constitution says. Right. But so here's the ADL doing this and Elon following along in regard to removing your reach, regardless of whether you're breaking the law, violating their terms of service or their community guidelines. How can anybody agree with this? That means you're agreeing that with their. I don't know what's the right term for it with their with their their effort to try to engineer the way we all think. That's what this is to make it a better world. At least that's what they want you to think. Right. You hear that? And this is what we've said for years. They don't care if you've got to count with 10 followers, but the moment you start reaching people with a message they don't like, well, of course, they want you to think this means hate speech or negativity. But let, let's realize that my work, if you're honest, and I know this, you know this, but people that want to pretend we're something we're not, my work is not that. I am not hating anybody. I mean, even the ones that try to argue I'm somehow hating on the trans movement. I mean, if they're even listening to what I'm saying, I'm defending them <laughs> I to, to, to the chagrin of some of the people in my audience. Because I'm, tar- I'm arguing that they're being used because the gov- the people who are manipulating what's being done to them and using this. And the point is, some, if a person wants to do this with their own body, I support their, their right to do so. I still have my opinions about it. But 
to argue it's hateful to point out that they're being lied to is absurd. Everything we do on this platform, and this speaks to the point at the end of the show today, everything I do for this show is about giving people a voice who don't have one, about defending the weak. My whole life has been about that. These people will try to frame us in regard to as people spewing hate and racism. But really what they're doing, in my opinion, is trying to shut down information that people in power don't want you to hear, whether they even know that or not. So what they're telling you is if you reach people with a message we don't like, we're going to do something about it. How many times have we seen that happen? Oh, the mo- you, you pass a threshold, 100,000 subscribers or certain things. Well, suddenly everything changes. We've already seen this. With Elon or what, but you guys put out a, ban- a list that you did not want, that the public and the advertisers did not want unbanned. It was like um, Alex Jones, uh, Nick Fuentes, Donald Trump, Kanye West. And, and I mean, we definitely do like public statements to make sure that like they are held accountable and there are letters that go, I think like when Elon Musk took over, it was like, this is our expectations of being in this position. Right. Did you hear that? So when Elon Musk took over, we, they met with him and said, here is our expectation of you being in this position. So you can either, you can, there's only one of two ways this went. Either they, for however they did this, they, with their, with the power of the ADL, which is immense, pressured that to happen and Elon went along with it or they asked him and he would, he did because he wanted to. Nobody should be okay with either one of those things. This should be, if it was freedom of speech, it's freedom of speech, not with limitations because that is the same old lie as always. Yeah. technology to because a lot of these uh these extremists have podcasts but like who has the time to listen to like just them drone on and on where like 99% of what they're saying is like about video games or something it's just so embarrassing that these people are really the ones (laughs) that are making so uh, you know all these extremists have podcasts (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're all they're the government officials and the people that are lying to it. The point that they're going, who wants to listen to drone on most about video games or something? Like, this is the impression they have of people in this position. Now, sure, there's a lot of childish, ridiculous people out there that are pushing nonsense and lies, and maybe they talk about video games sometimes. Maybe that's all they do. Not to say that that's even, that wasn't my point to say that's childish. The point is, there are people out there that are childish because they're lying. But you realize that they count us in that category. Right, doing work that is more professional and more specific and more sourced than damn near anything happening anywhere in the corporate media, right? But just think about the framing. I, I it feels like she believes that. That's embarrassing. And so there's this new software that it can actually like scan the entire podcast for like flagged words, wow. and then like extract like when they talk about some like extremist activity they want to perform, and then it like extracts it. So I thought that was really cool. See, that's the kind of. All right, so, so this is that what they're telling you there is that they're scanning podcasts, they're scanning the, the internet, and just kind of plucking out the, 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 the problematic words, right? And, and do something. Do it like they said. Oh, if you're going to plan some extremist act. Well, yeah, look, if you're, if you're pretending all they're doing is looking for people acting out in violence, well, that's not true. There's all sorts of people acting out in violence in groups they are okay with. But, of course, if you're in a very specific, particular category – if you're just going out to protest a trans movement, completely peaceful, or going out to protest something else they don't agree with, anything. If you're going to protest Israeli government actions. Suddenly, you're an extremist, and that's what they frame it as. This is what we're talking about. It is perception. 
and Twitter is doing that too. I'm not, I'm not saying even these two are aware of that, but quite frankly, I find it hard to believe they're not. It's fundraised on some of these platforms for extremists. So a platform like, why can I think of any, like a crowdfunding, a GoFundMe type of place, like we raise, that's how most streamers raise their money. And so bringing awareness to some of these companies, like your platform is allowing these extremists to raise money. And these aren't even secrets, guys. So so they, they lean on these platforms to get you removed, like Patreon, like GoFundMe, which we already see happening. Now, you really think this is them just going politely, hey, do you mind removing those guys? Because let's, you know, a moral argument because they're bad. Let's all high five and say they're bad guys. No, that's not what happens. If you really think that they would do this, that would direct, like a platform like Patreon, when you're, you're quite literally going to remove somebody after building a, building a following, which undermines the, sa- the, the security sanctity of your entire platform. So everybody going forward is like, maybe I'm going to get kicked off. That's a, that is not a business move. That is something you do because you don't have any other choice because they pressure you. They threaten you. They for, like, there's, the ADL and groups like this have more power than you can understand. And it stems right back to the governments behind it. That's what this is really about. So platforms like that know that if they don't, well, they'll probably get called anti-Semitic or something like that and have massive campaigns waged. And then they'll be perceived as something like Gab or whatever else, which, by the way, they're not what they say they are. Right. But frankly, you'll find some of these things on Gab or BitChute because those people have left places like they they drive them from because people do exist out there that are have disgusting beliefs and terrible ideas. But they drive them into these, per, these very particular areas and then blame the platform for that. It's just, it doesn't mean these platforms are about free speech. That includes people that are disgusting. You see, that's how it works. So it's almost like they're manufacturing the illusion these platforms are only this so they can blame them for whatever they want, which we've seen happen over and over and over. Like any one of these shootings where they go, look, they posted on Parler and Gab, even though you can also see them posting on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. They just never talk about that. Every time. They're so evil stuff. Let's establish a law enforcement advisory council, which convenes local uh, police departments and other law enforcement agencies all around the state. Sometimes we're called when something happens, and then we loop in law enforcement. Sometimes. Law Sometimes they're called when something happens. You see my point? If you thought this was just some small, you know, some group that's fighting for, for, for against racism. No, they're getting called when something, a law is broken. Either by the police or the people involved. That's what she just said. Even law enforcement, sometimes law enforcement agencies all around the state. Sometimes we're called when something happens and then we move in law enforcement. Sometimes law enforcement reach out to us. So sometimes they're called and they call the police and go, a crime was committed. Yeah, that's not power at all. We know we know about something. Um, so, and making yeah. sure that any of the intel that we get on a national level is given to all of our um, all of the law enforcement locally, and so that the trends that we're seeing. Now, so I mean, the main points were the beginning of this, guys. But I'll include the main point here. Although, I mean, the main link that he has at the bottom where he goes into more information about the ADL and different things. You can read it for yourself, the dark history of the ADL and how they control big tech. It's very, very easy to see how this works. My main point is showing you that this is exactly the very term freedom of reach, freedom of speech, not freedom of reach, is just a sidestep from freedom of speech. They are, blo- they are censoring you with an illusion. And we already talked about this. I used a similar image for the sh- today's show. I talked about this on December 16, 2022, when this first started. The censorship on Twitter continues as Elon flips the partisan script and far too many take the bait. All right, what, what, what happened to the Fauci files, guys? Don't worry, Ryan, it's going to come. Just shut up. 
or not, or we can realize and be honest with ourselves that this is not even remotely what was promised. We never saw a, I don't saw a single example of source material, not one. I don't want to say I told you so, but it seems pretty obvious that we are not going to get the source material, which again, doesn't even mean those things are false. It just simply means that you've been conditioned to be okay with never having verification. You see screenshots, which can be easily manipulated and you go, well, that backs up what I think. You're being corralled into the two-party paradigm and being divided, guys. You all know that. You're paying attention. Here is somebody, by the way, just somebody I know who was recently censored on Twitter, just so you can see it's still happening for things that are completely for pointing out something about COVID-19 or something about transgender movements. I mean, the point is that this is still happening. And on that note, by the way, let's not pretend like it's only Twitter. You want to see something which I know everybody knows, but it's important to make sure we realize this. And this is what's most embarrassing about the people that are out there going, Black Rock Vanguard, look at how they're tied up in all these companies. And if there's even a hint that they're connected, then we need to boycott. And we need to make sure we're aware of what they're doing and they're taking over the world, except here's Rumble. Top three backers. Vanguard, Black Rock. Oh, and you know, Citigroup and... And there's Vanguard Total Stock Market, Vanguard Small Cap, iShares Robotics, Small Guard, or Vanguard Small Cap, Vanguard Small Cap Growth Index Funds, JP Morgan. You know, but Rumble's on the up and up, guys. They're all about you. Look, I'm not going to complain. I get more views on Rumble than anywhere else at this point. I don't know if they're honest. I don't know if it's real. I get five cents. I have a video that's over two million views, and I've made like five cents from it. So something tells me that it's not honest. But bottom line is it's hypocritical. Where are all the people that are pointing this out anywhere else in companies that they don't like? Here's Bill Gates tied to all these things, except here's Rumble. Why don't we hear that? Doesn't that matter? I'm not saying I even know for sure. Maybe Rumble will be the savior of us all. I hope so. I legitimately hope so. That does not seem like it makes any sense. Somebody should look into Cantor Fitzgerald LP. I'm not even sure what that is. I didn't have time. The bottom line, it's just silly. And let's not forget, they've already censored Nick Fuentes in particular. Now, it's weird that it happens to be somebody that also, somebody who was t- linked to Ye, who was censored on Twitter. So maybe this is all one big theater show. <laughs> maybe it's possible. But here he was censored for something they deemed anti-Semitic. Here's just a, a video about it. Rumble bans Nick Fuentes and shocking censorship move. But nobody cares because we didn't hear anything about it because everybody's tapped into the paradigm for their own benefit, it would seem. But finally, it's not just any of those either, guys. This is happening and it's happening all over the world. And how long have I been saying this about this per in particular bill, Bill C-18? Do you remember what I've been saying about this since the moment this was brought up? That it's an illusion. All the people screaming, yeah, we need that to make the, you know, make it the town square and all these arguments they keep making. Every one of those arguments are designed to lead you into a point to which they can just decide what they, I mean, right now they do what they want anyway. They censor who they want. They don't care. There's zero accountability. COVID gave them that more than anything. It was happening before that anyway. But what this is now doing is giving them the argument, the legal standing to be like, well, you know, like there, there was other versions, I think, with that meme. I think the meme was, I forget which one that was, if this is the overlap to that. But there's the meme bill. And there's one in the United States. And the point was they were basically saying that you're going to push them into a position where if they don't act, they're going to be fined. And are acting like that's somehow going to allow more free. The bottom line is it gives them the excuse to go fine. They were going to censor everything then just in case. Similar thing here. This is CBC, CBC News from Canada. Canadians will no longer have access to news content on Facebook or Instagram, according to Meta. This was from June 22nd, 2023. So it wasn't that long ago. It says the social media giant has confirmed that it will end access to news on its social media sites. Now realize, guys, I mean, Twitter more than the rest, but the vast majority, I think it's up in the 90th percentile people get their news from social media today. 
That's a huge deal. On It says, to social media sites for all Canadians before Bill C-18, the Online News Act, comes into force. So they're getting ready. They're doing it before the bill even comes through. The law will force tech giants like Meta and Google, Google, don't think this is going to be unique to Canada, guys, to pay news outlets for posting their journalism on their platforms. So, of course, the point is they're acting like they're doing this for you. So you get, you know, but what, what they're going to do is say, well, fine, then we don't, then we're going to, we're going to not post any of it because we don't want to have to pay. And then as we're going to show you, the government comes in and goes, how dare you do exactly what we knew you would do. That's, it's, it's all a theater here. Meta said it will begin to block news for Canadian users over the next few months and that the change will not be immediate. So just tough it out, guys. Just tough it out. Oh, I guess in the meantime, you have to watch the old corporate media. Sorry. Yeah, like that wasn't the exact point. Quote, we have repeatedly shared that in order to comply with Bill C-18, or here, by the way, before I go forward on that, make sure you only have access to the corporate media news. But guess what? Twitter is still there. (laughs) Jump over to Twitter because we know that's a free speech platform, right? Interestingly enough, corralling people into the platform that seems to be the most social engineering right now. Maybe, maybe, Maybe that's exactly the point. Quote, we have repeatedly shared that in order to comply with, with, with Bill C-18, content from news outlets, including news publishers and broadcasters, will no longer be able to, able to peep, will no longer be able to people accessing our platforms in Canada. I just love when I see corporate media make mistakes because they got like a thousand people editing and I like, I make less mistakes than most corporate media outlets. And I make some still, I mean, like editing wise, no longer be able to access our platforms in Canada. So I guess what they're trying to say. Well, that's before the bill passes. It says now that the bill's received royal assent, you remember, because we're still dealing with the royal family and, you know, totally democracy, though. It's all ridiculous. It should take six months for the bill to come to force. So even if it goes back to normal, which it won't, the point is in this six-month limbo, they're just blocking it out. We're just going to block it. You can go to Twitter and corporate media, apparently, or whatever other news platforms you can find. A free and now, by the way, I'm when I'm saying that I'm saying that from the perspective of what they see it as. Obviously, go to the Last American Vagabond, go to the Press News, go to Unlimited Hangout, go to any. There's a thousand platforms out there, but they know that most people that are using these social media platforms will end up in one of a few places. But it says a free and independent press is fundamental to our democracy. It's just a joke that they always, you know, like as they're stabbing you in the chest, they're like, make sure, I mean, that's not even a good analogy. The point is exactly this, is as they're censoring your free speech, they go, we care about free speech. Okay, clearly not, because you're not doing it. It's just, they just love to give lip service to the very thing they don't care about or aren't doing. You know, as they scream, it's important. And really, actually, what they're trying to do is argue that this bill will ensure that. It's like the Patriot Act. It's the exact opposite of what it's doing. Or the War Powers Act, you know, any number of things. They sell you on the idea. It's the exact opposite. There's nothing patriotic about the Patriot Act. Quote, the fact that these internet giants would rather cut off Canadians access to local news than pay their fair share is a real problem. And now they're resorting to bullying tactics to try to get their way. It's not going to work, Trudeau said in complete ridiculous fashion, like we're going to believe one word of what he said. How dare they? What do you think was going to happen? I mean, obviously, this is a big show. My, if I could predict this, as I did uh, the moment this came up, you know Trudeau knew this was going to happen. You're going to put, what, do you expect them just to pay out for something when they have the choice not to? You created this dynamic so it looked like they were doing what they, the bottom line is, you're blocking people off from news. The only people going to be let back in are the corporate media. You're basically creating a situation where you're boxing out anybody that can't pay for it, which is everybody in the independent media for the most part. That's how that's going to work. 
and how much you want to bet there's going to be reasons that they box out certain people like like Rebel News, for example, who is bigger than most corporate media in all of in all of Canada. They're, they're probably not going to they're going to find a loophole. Google, which has said it is considering the same approach as Meta is to blocking news, said in a media statement on Thursday that it is attempting to avoid an outcome no one wants. Yeah, attempting and then doing it anyway. Lip service. Google, guys, the Google applies. Google is going to block all f- news. I mean, how is this? This is crazy. This ties in with everything, free speech, digital ID, social credit, that we're going to get into it in a second after the Pfizer stuff, where they're driving us into this technocratic panopticon, and all you have is access to the information. They, this, this is 1984, guys. I mean, like, it's not a joke anymore. It's, like, quite literally in front of us. I mean, I almost can't even believe we're reading our headline that says Canadians will no longer have access to news on these platforms. That's wild. So it's, ma- it's problem, reaction, solution. They're creating, they, they had the solution in mind before they even set this out, right? They knew they wanted to stop people from seeing court independent media and only the media that they can control. And so they set this out. They created that problem with the solution in mind. They waited for you to go, oh no. And then they go, ah, here's a solution. Perfect. Even though it doesn't even begin to address the problem that we thought was being dealt with. That's how this works. Now, on that whole point about censorship, let's realize that they're right now like how much? I mean, I I myself have seen certain posts of mine just get zero engagement, unless certain people in our community. Which, by the way, why this is important that we don't just follow along with the algorithms and our feeds that we go out of our way to look for each other and share content that we're using, which is what I try to do every day because that's the only way to kind of break through these things sometimes. But that there's important information that's just not getting anywhere. How long have I been screaming about the controlled flow of information? It's not about me, 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 guys, as much as people try to make that about that. It's about the fact that this information is important. We right now can prove, as six months ago, that East Palestine is it's, it's a, a one massive criminal, criminal invest, or, uh, crime scene. I mean, we've proven this. We've proven. I mean, most people don't even still know right now that a hearing ruled that the controlled burn that was not controlled at all was unnecessary. I bet you half my chat doesn't even know that. I've talked about it three times. Right. They, they ruled that it was not necessary. It came out in that hearing that he literally withheld information from the chief, didn't even tell him that his own expert. We're talking about Shaw, the CEO of, of, of Norfolk Southern. His own expert told him that these weren't going to explode, most likely. And didn't tell that to the fire chief while asking, while forcing him to make a choice in the next 13 hours. How do how is that not the most that should be everywhere? If corporate media was even a modicum of honesty. Or I could go off for the next five hours about things that should be ending conversations. Azov movement and court, you know, rise above movement and Operation Aerodynamic in Ukraine or every story. Well, how about this one? This is the point. The idea that it's a massive story, that the platform itself, according to the, you know, a, before, when, before COVID-19, it doesn't mean we blindly assume the next new study was real. But when a study came out in a place like Science, Science.org or, these, or British Medical Journal that challenged a very important story, it was covered. Because those places were respected. And now they come out with a massive study from science that literally says, not from, from science, the platform, that the mRNA platform is likely driving myocarditis and not in addition to everything else. The entire platform. So no matter what they do next, it's still going to be the same problem, according to this peer-reviewed study. That is important news, but it's going to get buried most like everything else until certain selected people are allowed to say it at a certain selected time, which is how it feels right now. And that's not even to say that people that are allowed to do that know that they're selected. Like, I, I don't know, but I think that's how this works. So we just talked about this. Make sure you check this out. 
and France releases terrorists into Niger, <laughs> which, you know, no big deal. Well, let's talk about more that's going on in these hearings, which, again, I think I'm just I'm blown away with how important these are right now, just because of the way they're asking these questions. Now, here is a very important one, almost, I would argue, more important than any we've shown so far in this hearing, because Reddick and Malcolm have and I forget the other guy's name. This third, third one's been doing good work as well, have really been making them, you know, deny things that we know they know and kind of have to answer in ways that let things out of the bag just like this. Now, he has forced, Rennick in particular has forced Moderna and Pfizer to admit that they don't know why it causes myocarditis, which means at the very least, they don't know what might happen next. They don't know if it stop, if other things might happen. So how could they say safe and effective? Well, we, we all know this. Their own phase three data shows that it, they lied. 36% more dangerous than not taking it at all. That is, and see, things like that. That's not retracted. And it's easy. If you actually look at the data, by the way, which a lot of us did in the beginning, and they were like, you can't read science. You're not an expert. Well, yeah, we know it's clearly what happened. But it's not being broke anywhere, right? And again, not to be an insulting way, but I'm saying like the people that usually can get these things broken through, right? I haven't seen that on Jimmy Dore show. I haven't seen that on Glenn Beck or Tucker Carlson. Why not? It's a huge study that really completely shatters the entire narrative. I don't know. I really don't know. This one is powerful. Because not admitting they don't know what, that it, how it causes myocarditis, in this one, it goes even further. As he says, the TGA finally admit myocarditis is an autoimmune response. Now, the TGA being, um, oh, I forget the name, what it stands for again. It's the, it's the regulatory group in, in Australia. See, uh, it's the Therapeutics Goods Administration. So they're there in this with Pfizer. Uh, I believe it was Pfizer at this time. And they are forced to an answer in regard to whether it causes autoimmune responses in your body, autoimmunity, which, by the way, we know based on many peer-reviewed studies, but the idea here is that they admit this, which means that it's causing a lot more than just the one thing they want to admit is minor and goes away real quick, but neither of those things are true. So let's listen to this. I've asked both the two manufacturers tonight, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, can they explain process by which the vaccine causes myocarditis. I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about benefit risks. I want to know why the vaccine causes myocarditis. It damages heart cells. Okay? Yep. Can you explain why the vaccine damages heart cells? So I'd um, ask Dr Fingerly to respond. Uh, thank you. Uh, look, this is an issue of some ongoing discussion in the medical literature, and I think it is fair to say that the absolute definitive mechanism has not been isolated yet. Oh, that's but you. it's that worth pointing out, I'll caveat those comments by saying that obviously myocarditis is generally an autoimmune phenomenon where antibodies are formed against um, the cells, in this case of the heart, and it occurs after COVID at a higher rate than it does after vaccination. That's not true. Multiple peer-reviewed studies have already found that's not true. I know that's their saving grace right now but I'll show you afterwards. It's not true. But the main point is even Rennick said, thank you for finally being honest, that they don't know. They don't know the mechanism. So how in the world can they know that it's rare? How in the world can they even know whether other things are happening in the same way, which is what he digs into here. And it occurs in relation to a number of other infections, such as Coxsackie viruses. So it's, it's something which is observed whenever there is an immune response. It is therefore likely that it is somewhat related to the immune response, and I guess there is a similarity between the immune okay, response thank to COVID you. That's a fantastic and the fantastic answer. I appreciate that. Well, perhaps yeah. I just... so. So, given that this wasn't identified for the rollout, and you know, as you said, it's an ongoing um, you know area of concern and investigation. 
How can you then rule out, and you've admitted that it's an autoimmune, or potentially an autoimmune issue, that other body organs aren't also being damaged by the vaccine, but they're subclinical issues because you know they're not, you know, the heart's obviously something that's, you know, has a higher pain threshold, or you know, sends a greater signal that other issues or side effects from the vaccine, or you know, when you're saying that you know it's not necessarily causal that the vaccine could be causing other autoimmune issues on other body organs. Is that a potential risk? Do you accept that that's a risk? Uh, look, Senator, as, as uh, Professor um, Lawler has pointed out, the, the TGA maintains an ongoing surveillance of potential risks and potential adverse events as they're reported to us. It's the fact of the matter. Don't miss what he just said, though. So it's, this is the most frustrating part about all of this. So, yeah, they're going, yeah, well, we have reports and we're reporting it as it comes in. So, you, so, yeah, more things could happen. You're the experiment. And that's not the same as what they say in the past. Is Historically, the, there tends to be things that pop up down the line after vaccination, even after they consider them safe. Well, yeah, that's the exact point. So, historically, there's always something new that seems to pop up, whether it's a minor thing or not. So, how, the fact that they said this in the beginning that it's safe and we know and it's good with an experimental gene therapy using technology they had never deployed in this way in history on the population. That this was all about getting it in your body. I'm convinced this was an experiment and I'm going to make a point about that towards the end of this segment. But the bottom line is, in this one in particular, this was not just some small development of something new. We saw an explosion of things and we're still seeing peer-reviewed studies jumping ahead from quick point leprosy, as you probably have seen, is now being identified as a side effect of the COVID-19, specifically Pfizer injection. Leprosy. I'll show you the peer-reviewed study, and they go, well, but it still benefits, I'll still, we'll still outweigh the risk. Leprosy. Yeah, you go ahead and roll those dice. I'm going to stand back, right? That's crazy. But as he said, right here, that as things develop, we report them. So the point is, yeah, we don't know. We'll let you know. By the vaccine, but the side effects autoimmune look senator as, as uh, professor um, lawler has pointed out the, the tga maintains an ongoing surveillance of potential risks and potential adverse events as they're reported to us it's the fact of the matter is with all medical products more information becomes available as they are used look i accept and, there's a risk but my, my issue is that you've never outlined those risks at the start however, the vaccine well, is safe and effective without any qualification well, and they lied about it right they stressed it. now here's the problem is that these people have a a different opinion, right? The way that they put this forward, they argue that they're being objective and, you know, they understand what the science shows. They understand what these things, the average person, the average soccer mom out there that doesn't see any of this stuff, they hear safe and effective. They, they think it's good to go. They don't know anything about this stuff. So when you tell them good to go, safe and effective, well, they think it's good and go safe, effective. That's not informed consent. Just because you can dig through some document that we're supposed to know is there on some website, that's not what the average people do. Right. People are very quickly realizing it's not the right move to trust your government. Many people are realizing that right now. And that's exactly why, because they pretend like you're supposed to know, even though they give you no tools in which to find what you're supposed to know. Well, I think if you look at the statement regarding provisional registration, it's pretty clear that the basis on which they're approved. But it right there. Right. Oh, is it clear? Right. What he's insinuating right there is that that. Yeah, it's pretty clear that it was approved on flimsy information. That's what he's saying. Right. Because the risks were outlined. So he's going, well, you know, if you look at the original, it's pretty clear it was approved on. That's that's the sentence right there. That's meaning, well, yeah, it's, the point was to people like him and us who talked about this in the beginning, it was clear that this thing was approved based on, remember, benefits outweigh the risks, which is a which is a, a emergency use authorization. And the, remember the definition? It means that the known risks 
meaning there's unknown, we, they guaranteed unknown risk, outweigh the known, or excuse me, the known benefits outweigh the known risks. And that's the only time, the only time that's even allowed to be used is under an emergency, which means we're, you're in so much danger from what we can see in front of us that we're willing to use the thing that we don't know is entirely safe because that thing is so much more dangerous. Well, don't forget, this is less than the flu for 94% of the population, according to peer-reviewed science. From the very beginning, pre-vaccination, I'll show you that next too. So, you, so that's what he's saying. Though. Yeah, well, it's pretty clear. No, it wasn't clear to the average person that didn't look at that stuff. That's the game that's being played. It's also the case that um, there is a risk-benefit, and I realize you don't, you've said you don't want to discuss it, but if you're trying to prevent myocarditis, preventing COVID is the best way to do it. And so... You do look at the. Well, you given do we had look, 10 million people, I'll dispute that. You, do look, COVID, you do look at what you're doing in terms of the rate of adverse events. And since it is also an adverse event of COVID infection, the overall benefit, even for that adverse event, is likely to be positive. Well, now, whether, whether there is some. See, and that's ridiculous. What, oh, likely to be? So now it's okay for us to assume, right? I mean, it, it, the way this is played is so dishonest. Discuss it, but if you're trying to prevent myocarditis, preventing COVID is the best way to do it. Since he's made that twice, let me just show you these really quickly. So those that haven't remembered that these were there, new to the show. This, based on a lot of experts' opinions, is the most prominent study in this, most sound, it's not retracted, it's not, there's no, there's nothing you could dig through and go, that's false, that's not accurate. This is a very sound study that's, that's, that's coming specifically from Israel. One of the most obvious test beds in this exact regard, and what they found. A large population-based study was that there was post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased incident of either one. Now, yes, there's been ones that make these arguments, but when you go through them, I'm not going to say that you should dismiss them. Read them for yourself and come to your own conclusions. But there are plenty of experts that are like, well, here's the problem. Here's where they conflate these two things. Here's That's not happening in this. Go look at it for yourself. This one is clear. So it's interesting. And there's more than one, by the way. And here's the other one, just because I mentioned it, right? Peer-reviewed January 2023 in regard to the age and, and, the, and the infection fatality rate. At a global level, before vaccination, the infection fatality rate could have been as low as 0.03 under 59 and 0.07 under 69. And the main point, 94% of the global population is in that age category. 94% of the population at less risk than the flu. According to the Ioannidis group, which is one of the most respected in this field. But who cares, right? Trust the science, though, right? And so you do look at the... Well, the, you given do we had look, 10 million people, I'll dispute that. You, do look, COVID, you do look at what you're doing in terms of the rate of adverse events. And since it is also an adverse event of COVID infection, the overall benefit, nope. even for that adverse event, is likely to be positive. Well, now, whether, whether there is some unknown adverse event is purely <clears throat> speculative. And we also have the study on coronavirus-induced myocarditis. We should never forget that. Right. Ralph Barrick literally working on how to induce myocarditis using coronavirus with NIH, with all these same people. But no, who cares about that? Totally not related. It's it goes to proving a, a negative. And well, that's well, not that's something not speculative we can because you're playing with people's lives. You can't say that's speculative. It, um, it's it you're is. risking people's health here. Yeah. So it's not we're not speculating in the casino or, oh, or, or you know, I would a football say that, con. Senator. Sorry. Just, sorry, just before, yeah. before you yeah. answer. Um, so, sorry, yeah, sorry, I, I was trying not to interrupt you as you were asking the question, yeah. but that is the last question. So I'll need to go to Senator Canavan, yeah. uh, and we are over time. 
So, that, so, if, if, you could answer, if you could answer Senator Rennick's um, comment. Certainly. So, so, I appreciate And I think that the, the speculative comment probably relates more to some of the physiological and virological thoughts around, around how organs and organ systems are affected. Uh, moving away from the speculative position, as, as we've mentioned a couple of times, we do undertake significant uh, adverse event notification and monitoring. And in the context of, of, of 16 million uh, doses having been uh, developed the reported rate, and we rely very much on the reported rate of adverse events of of myocarditis and pericarditis have been in the region of two or two to three per one hundred thousand. And, and see, and we know right now, based on the most current peer-reviewed studies, and I'm talking like from three different places, one in thirty-five. And we just had that doctor argue yesterday, based on his own research, which was pretty profound, that he sees one twenty percent of the population register. I mean, that's I mean almost. See if I was going to even grab real quick. That's I mean that's just that's catastrophic. I mean it really is something that goes well beyond anything that we should. It, it's yeah I don't think I've got it saved right here. In any case, it's it's just speculative anyway, frankly, because I can't confirm what he's saying. But he's he's a doctor and he's speaking out on you could you could look it up for yourself. But the point is nonetheless one or two in per one thousand. Let's not forget that they argued one. It's supposed to be one in a million. That was before all this. Then they tried to push it at way higher of a number. Now they're coming all the way down to one and one. And even then, we know that's way, way higher than that. They're just lying to us, guys. They, like, do they, you know they know the current level of peer reviewed science. How about this as well? What do you mean you rely on the reported numbers? Didn't you just say that you guys have your own pharmacovigilance, that you have your own surveillance systems? Then why, when it all pops up, you argue Vayers is dismissible? We're not talking about Vayers. What about your personal system? Why don't we ever get to see what you're finding? I think we know why. So we rely on the, as Dr. Pingilly's highlighted, the growing body of real-world evidence in our ongoing assessment. It's per thousand, not hundred thousand. It's two per thousand doses. doses. No, no, but injuries—the reporting injuries as per your weekly reports—two per thousand. Yeah. I, and I, I'm, I'm wanting to make a clear distinction between this specific diagnosis of myocarditis and pericarditis yeah. versus and, and, I'm, and I'm talking about the other 998. Because if it can happen to the heart, it can happen to other body organs. That's my point. Because you're talking about 200,000, yet your own weekly report talks about 200,000 reported injuries. But thank you. I'll leave that as a comment. Right. So his point there was just because you want to argue, and by the way, incorrectly argue that that number is one in 100,000. His point is that you're telling us that one in 1,000 can experience serious adverse events. Now, that's a broad point. That means it could be myocarditis. So think how conflicting that is to argue that they know that when their own report says that serious adverse events right now are happening one in a thousand. Nobody talks about this stuff is my point. That's a huge number. But we just pretend like it doesn't matter because half of the they pretend. Let's let, realize we're talking about serious adverse events, not shoulder muscle pain, but death, hospitalization and permanent disability. That's what those include. Now, again, here's the here's the discussion I had on this December or August 2022. The U.S. funded research on coronavirus-induced myocarditis. I mean, I just find that staggeringly ridiculous. And don't forget that Dr. Simon Godek, or don't forget that as he posted, over the past three years, journalists have come up with many reasons for the rise in heart damage. Showering, hot drinks, cold drinks, hot weather, cold weather. However, none blame it on the experimental gene therapy administered billions around the world without proper testing, right? I mean, it's absurd. Let's not forget how they have gone out of their way to try to manufacture illusions. Heart attack, the shower habit that could make you have a heart attack. You know, look, cold snap causes heart attacks. Blood thickness because it's hot. <laughs> this is so stupid. Now, and my point would be that in, there's probably some small sliver of truth to some of these things that it increases your chance by 0.001%, but 
the argument that it's somehow the reason is, is such a lie. Artificial sweeteners, heart attacks, heart disease, climate change, heart disease, like everything. I mean, all of this stuff is so insultingly stupid. Now here's Ma- Malcolm Roberts. I, I, keep, I keep saying Malcolm Roberts. Malcolm Roberts is the other person, and Rennick is his last name, the other one. This is a really interesting one. It's a bit longer, but I wanted to play this. Did the Medical Countermeasure Consortium run COVID-19? Well, I think we already know this, right? I'll include Sasha Latipova's interview. You should check that out with Taylor. Oh, I forgot to mention, by the way. She, she put out something on Twitter, by the way, today as well. But people have been asking about the Arna Burkhart interview. And I, I get it. It's been a while. But the point is, there's a lot to do. This, this is a very, very special and important interview. One, because it was his last interview. So she feels, it's, I agree, it's, a, it's important to make this right for him. Right. But there's a lot. That's a very long interview as a lot, not just the, the multiple camera angles and all the different editing, but there's a lot. There was translation issues because there's stuff he didn't he had to stop and pause and get, find out things because he's, he's German and there was um, things that he wasn't familiar with and he had to find the words for it. And, and, and then she's having to find things to overlap that with. And then on top of that, the biggest issue is that there's some stuff that she needed to overlap with to have source material for, because we care about that, right? Most people don't. Most people want to dump this on the internet without any source material because that's what everybody else does. We care about source material. I shouldn't say everybody, most. But the point is that she's trying to find some of that. And unfortunately, because Arna's now passed, he's now gone. Now, however that went down, that she's having to track down some of his colleagues in order to find this material so we can have it up on the screen and include it for you, which is proving to be difficult. Having to fly somewhere, I mean, it's, it's complicated. So long story short, it's coming soon, but just, you know, give her a minute because it's a complicated process and it's about making this just right, you know, but it will come out soon and it's going to be important. But back to this medical countermeasure consortium run by it run COVID. It says the Australian, American, British and Canadian military forces formed this consortium to dominate COVID response. Operation Warp Speed, the U.S. Department signed the first Department of Defense, signed the first contract with the government advisor. This is a really interesting overlap, and it has to do with exactly what you think it does. And this is about the military medical countermeasure and what that truly means about the way this is all going down. As a servant to the many different people who make up our one Queensland community, tonight I speak to an aspect of COVID I've not raised before. Information now in the public domain indicates the COVID response was not initiated through commercial interests, rather through an organisation called the Medical Countermeasures Consortium, that Australia joined in 2012. According to their webpage on Australia's defence.gov.au website, the Medical Countermeasures Consortium is a four-nation partnership involving the Defence and Health Departments of Australia, Canada, the United Kingdom and the United States. Quote, the consortium seeks to develop medical countermeasures to assist with chemical and biological threats affecting civilian and military populations and on emerging infectious diseases and pandemics. Medical countermeasures include drugs, vaccines and diagnostics. End of quote. Who knew we had a military pharmaceutical apparatus linking the United States, Australia, Canada and the UK in place since the Gillard Labor government? An AUKUS for pandemics. The con- Don't you think people would want to know that? To know that this was the impetus for the entire thing? And, and ask yourself even more so, why wouldn't this be public information? Consortium maintains a compensation scheme for people injured as a result of taking a countermeasure. Compensation claims were accepted for the 2009 H1N1 vaccine, the anthrax vaccine and flu vaccines. The medical countermeasures unit within the United States Department of Defense has been in the vaccine business for many years 
and has been injuring people for many years and getting away with it. So it should come as no surprise that the Department of Defence signed the first contract between the United States government and Pfizer for the purchase of $11 billion worth of vaccines. The American Department of Defence President Trump gave the order to the Department of Defense to commence vaccine development and even gave it a cool name, Operation Lightspeed. Here's what's interesting. Operation Warp Speed was the name of the, Donald, the, the military operation that Trump started, but I recently found out Operation Lightspeed was Pfizer's name for that. Not, not, not the same thing, but from, for their version, for what they were, the rapid development of these things. But yeah, but they swear up and down. Everything was... How are you going to pretend like warp speed and light speed don't indicate that you're going faster than you're supposed to, right? Because that's what they were telling you in the beginning, because you're in so much danger. But as the information became clear, because I don't think they wanted that, and they're like, well, actually, it's not that dangerous. Well, then they had to suddenly start changing that and cultivating the narrative. Well, I think it's all coming out now. And Trump and the rest of them, all of them, the governments are culpable. President Trump reacted, as we in this place reacted, on the best of intentions and the worst of data. Intelli now that's, I mean, you know, he gave a pass there. I don't frankly think that's true. Intelligence was used that our security apparatus knew or should have known was wrong. Videos from China. But you know what? Sorry to stop it again. I, I'll let it play. My point is, you could argue that would make sense, though. I don't think I agree with that, but. It wouldn't be that hard to wrap your mind around a, a, you know, intelligence apparatus operation that intentionally used Trump to make that make him the fall guy, make him the person they blame it on. I'm still waiting for a moment. They say, oh, it turns out that Trump was the reason everything went bad and it's all because he made a mistake and uh, we're going to go forward making it better. Like people would buy that. I worry about that. Minor of people dropping dead have proven to be fakes produced with the assistance of Chinese intelligence apparatus knew or should have known was wrong. Videos from China of people dropping dead have proven to be fakes, yep. produced with the assistance of Chinese intelligence. And realize that all the large right-wing accounts that, are, that were promoting this for the most part are now never pointing that out, right? Let's, I mean, and I'm not calling out like the core Republicans. I'm talking about the high up in influencer type people that are just all about the narrative and all about the paradigm. They don't point that out. We know this. We've proven that really early in this conversation, but they're still going, China bad guy, right? Bannon's out there all about it on his horse going after China like nobody's business. And you know what? Maybe he's right. I disagree. The point is that it's all about narrative. One side's bad guy Russia, one guy's bad guy China, and they're all keeping you at war and keeping you divided. So easy to see. And they may not have acted alone. These videos should not have made it to the decision-making process in the West. How that happened... How so much fraudulent information was offered to elected members is a matter for a royal commission. The United States has already started multiple congressional hearings and fraud and court cases that will eventually yield the truth. Yeah, I've got to be honest, though, none of which are even getting close to the kind of stuff we're seeing come out right now in these hearings. Australia must pay its part in this process. That's our part in this process, for we are truly all in this together to the very end. There are doors to be kicked down, and at this time it will not be the doors of everyday Australians guilty of no crime, who merely spoke the truth on social media. The United States' response to COVID brought the Medical Countermeasures Consortium into the process at a very, very early stage. Australia's military were involved early, providing assistance including crowd control, border quarantine, contact tracing and medical personnel, things one would expect the military to help with. 
Former Prime Minister and profligate office holder Scott Morrison shuttered the COAG system because it was open and transparent, COAG being the Council of Australian Governments. COAG was not just a single meeting. COAG was a secretariat with committees, including a health committee, liaising across local councils, state and federal government. Although not a constitutional instrument, this COAG structure was very well positioned to administer our COVID response. Why was it abolished and replaced with a military pharmaceutical apparatus? Think about that. That's so important, guys, because exactly what you think, because this was a military operation and we were being experimented on. You got rid of the people that probably were literally like I, I doubt everybody in that th- in that position was honest just because that's how I feel. But there, I guarantee that that was probably literate people that would act honestly or at least with what they thought was the right thing. So they push them out of the way and they install a military act- a military entity. I mean, what else do you think? I hope the Royal Commission asked that question. In place of COAG, Mr. Morrison created a secretive so-called national cabinet consisting only of the state premiers and territory chief ministers. What was the secret so important that a well-functioning apparatus like COAG had to be demolished and the truth gagged for 30 years? Mr. Morrison then appointed a serving military officer, Lieutenant General Fruin, to run Australia's vaccine rollout, rebranded as, wait for it, Operation COVID Shield. Right, and so the idea that they're gagging information for 30 years or FDA asking for 75. Why don't we all see how obviously transparent that is? I know a lot of us here do. Most of us, all of us, most likely. But there are some people that actually can't wrap their mind around how how dishonest that was. That there's some logical reason for 75 years, or in this case for 30, for gagging why this transaction happened. Like this, it's, this is what authoritarian governments do. The United Kingdom responded to COVID in March of 2020 with a massive military operation called Operation Rescript. This moved 23,000 military personnel into a new unit called the COVID Support Operation under British powers known as Military Aid to Civilian Authorities, MACA. Command of this largely military force, this large military force, remained with the military. And Canada? What of Canada? Canada called in the Canadian Armed Forces with, quote, unprecedented measures, their words, not mine, under operations Laser and Vector. It's clear the Medical Countermeasures Consortium agreement that the Gillard Labor government signed in 2012 was designed to make pandemic response a military operation, not a civilian health operation. This should have been clear in July 2021 when Major General Fruin took to the microphone in full military uniform. Right. Australia saw military checkpoints at borders, military guarding medical facilities. Now, the point is, guys, that that's not it's easy to see. But that's if you push that into conversation with people like Kareen, they'll deny that and act like you're ridiculous. And the point is that that should be if it was no big deal and it was exactly if it was military because that's how we should deal with these things now because it's important and worldwide. Then didn't say that. Then be honest about it. Then engage with the fact that it is a military operation when it's literally called Operation Everything. Everywhere you look, it's it's Operation War Speed, Operation Lightspeed, Operation COVID Shield. All of them are military operations, and yet we're debating whether this is an entire military operation. Military and the hardware on the streets in, of Sydney and Melbourne, locking people in their homes. All of this created a climate of fear and intimidation that facilitated acceptance of the COVID injection. Was this the plan? Uh-huh. Has the pharmaceutical industry now donned fatigues? Did our civilian health authorities stand up for established medical principles based on the Hippocratic Oath to prescribe only medical beneficial treatments? No, they did not. 
We know our Therapeutic Goods Administration, the TGA, did not review the Pfizer Stage 2-3 clinical trial data and instead relied on the American FDA's paperwork. There you go. And that is how they hid the fact that the Phase 3 data shows a 36% increase versus not taking it in serious adverse events, 6% in the case of Moderna. Both of them are more dangerous than not doing it. Think about that. Now, of course, they want to scream about how bad COVID is, but don't forget, that's less than the flu. So they're all lying to you. We know the FDA didn't review the data and instead took Pfizer's word for how the trials went. Surely the TGA knew this. If it did, the TGA is complicit. If it didn't know, the TGA is hopelessly or willfully negligent. Misfeasance. Pfizer committed systematic, systemic fraud during their clinical trials, with whistleblowers revealing... Only healthy adult participants were, required, were recruited for a stage 2-3 clinical trial of a vaccine that was intended for the sick and elderly. Trial duration was grossly insufficient to capture medium and long-term side effects like myocarditis. To drown out the, the number of adverse events being recorded among real participants, fake participants were created who recorded zero side effects. Did you hear that? This is what I'm talking about. Like th- These things, if, it was in an honest enga- if there was an honest flow of information, and this was about important news rising to the top. These things would be everywhere. Now, my guess is something like that or these bigger points are going to eventually float their way to the top and certain partisan players will put them out so it can be denied by the other side and it will be far too late to do anything about it. And then, and then I get pushed back. Can't you just take a win when you get one? No, I can't because it's not a win because it is about convincing you that the way they're doing it is the way it's supposed to be. It's not. We're being played. Patients who suffered serious side effects were removed from the study and never existed in the paperwork. The COVID injection was not tested on pregnant women, and women who fell pregnant were removed from the study before childbirth. Exactly. The COVID injection was then recommended for pregnant women. How could any human do this? This is inhuman and it's monsters that did it. Why did Pfizer think they could get away with the most crooked clinical trial in history? Could an answer to this question be found in testimony of a Pfizer executive to U.S. Congress who made a comment that Pfizer gave the U.S. government the vaccine the government asked for and so claims Pfizer is not liable for the adverse events? The military appears to have been involved in the cover-up of COVID's origins. It's now clear that COVID was developed during gain-of-function research in China's Wuhan Institute for Virology, connected with the Chinese military. And who funded this research in China? The United States National Institutes for Health under Anthony Fauci. Canada and Australia were involved in this research. In 2020, the CSIRO put out a press release, not only admitting their gain-of-function research, CSIRO defended it. And I've spoken on that previously. After a series of lab escapes involving pathogens at America's Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC headquarters in Georgia, President Obama in 2014 suspended gain-of-function research. Anthony Fauci ignored the President's order and moved the research offshore to Wuhan, China. Gain-of-function research is countermeasure research. It's the same process of finding and manipulating pathogens to produce a new virus. Do you see what I mean in all this, guys? I mean, you might as well be watching The Last American Vagabond right now or any number of other really great independent media who have been on this story from the beginning, and there's a lot of them. I mean, where are you hearing any of this in anybody else in the in, in a position of authority? Like, if you see them, tell me, because if I'm wrong, I would like to see them too. I'm just kind of blown away, and I'm not like – I almost because this is so – Make, is making me feel like these people are honest. I'm almost even more reserved. I'm like, wait a minute, they're probably tricking me. That's just how I am today. I'm jaded with politicians. But nonetheless, that's incredible. He is listing off, I mean, everything with the pregnant issue, all of them. They're the same ones talking about the cycle threshold and the code on optimization, everything, DNA contamination. I'm not hearing any of this. 
Why don't well, I'm not hearing it from any of the right wing can't talk right wing pundits or the left wing pundits or the right wing politicians or the left wing politicians. Are you? I mean, I just I got to give them a shout out for this because this is important information. He referenced Brooke Jackson in there. He didn't say her name, but that was the case he referenced. I'll include those links for you. The Frankenstein virus. Once a virus is deadly to Wuhan, China, gain-of-function research is countermeasure research. Yep. It's the same process of finding and manipulating pathogens to produce a new virus. A Frankenstein virus. Once a virus is deadly enough, a, vi- a vaccine is prepared, then the whole thing put on a shelf in case an enemy or nature deploys that virus. Once the virus appears in the population, vaccines can be deployed. At a price, of course, because after all, this is corporate United States racked with parasitic globalist predators. Yeah, well, that's certainly true. I'm glad he can see that. But let's also realize the point he didn't point out, that that possibility of a natural or an enemy happening with the thing you managed to create in your lab, one in a billion, if not one in a trillion, that's ridiculous. It'll like so. I mean, that means they're not modeling after what you made. The point is, they're literally arguing that they're making this super dangerous thing that can now infect humans and they'll keep in the lab somewhere. Even though, as Fort Detrick has admitted, one leak every three days for seven years straight—that's their own admission. Fort Detrick. We know that's where anthrax came from. We know where these things tie back to. And the point is that we're going to pretend like they're making this in their lab just in case the one in a billion chance that somebody over on the other side of the world makes the same thing. I mean, the likelihood of that is it's it's catastrophic. I mean, it's impossible. Let's be real. And yet they're telling you this is for your safety. In the early stages of COVID development and escape, did our medical countermeasures apparatus act independently of government? This is a question for for a royal commission. Did anyone in this country accept orders from the United States military to do or not do a thing that may have interfered with this military pharmaceutical plan? Another question for a royal commission. Let me be clear. Australia has a long and enviable history of using our military to assist in civilian disasters to the benefit of all. If the need arises again, we should not hesitate to allow our military to help out again. The military, though, the military should not be used against law-abiding civilians or against healthy civilians for the purposes of forced injection to transfer wealth to Big Pharma. What we saw was forced injection of people after succumbing to the threat of deprivation of their family's livelihood and the ability to feed children. Fear, intimidation, blackmail, threats of loss of income and home elements of force. Inhuman force. I have repeatedly said that COVID was severely mismanaged because it was never about health. It was about control of people and wealth transfer using deceit. Deceit that's inhuman, monstrously inhuman. We must know whether our TGA is in waving through a vaccine countermeasure that would not have been approved under normal circumstances, bowed to higher powers. Was this a military pharmaceutical operation or a civilian health operation? These are matters ordinarily dealt with in a royal commission. The Albanese Labor government broke its pre-election promise to have a royal commission. If it continues to break its promise, it will be complicit in hiding truth from the people. Truth that is slowly yet relentlessly and inevitably coming out. Call the bloody Royal Commission now. Man. And this is why this stuff is getting to me lately. I mean, think about what he's describing, you know, and yeah, and he's, he is visibly upset. Yeah. I mean, and the point is they're going to dismiss it guys. Just like they dismissed the last one. They, they laid out this information. They exposed Pfizer and Moderna's own lies in real court in hearings. And then they just start, they denied it anyway. They voted and it was 29 to 28 in not in favor of a Royal Commission which consider that like a, uh, 
I, what would the equivalent be? I'm not sure because we don't have a Roy, like, you know, just a, an, inquir- an inquiry for something like COVID inquiry for our, for, our, for our Congress. They want a real investigation and they're already turning it down despite everything in front of us. I mean, it just makes me, it just, it really does get to me how many people are suffering and it's so real time obvious of what he, everything he just described, you can prove. And we all, and we need everybody aware of this and everybody willing to do something about it. And I don't mean violence in order for something to change. The problem is that people on the left and the right in the illusion of the paradigm are keeping us trapped in this hamster wheel, this endless cycle of acting like one more vote and one more thing. Then we can do it. Then we can make it happen. And then they do the same thing all over again. Here is Sasha Latipova's interview with Taylor Hudak, how Pfizer and the Department of Defense defrauded the public. It's important. All these are important. Now here, just I'll give all three of you, all three of them, for those that want to catch up on Brooke Jackson's case, because that's what he's talking about. What he just referenced in there in regard to the trials and the fraudulent activity. They literally argued in the court of law that they, they that they're, the agreement with the United States, with it, basically that as long as they delivered a product, it doesn't matter if they broke all the trial rule. And then it turns out they didn't deliver a product anyway. But guess what? Maybe they did. Maybe that's why that works, because their product was never about keeping you safe. The bottom line is they basically admitted in the trial that they violated the trial, the the drug trial regulations, the rules, the law. But it didn't matter because they were on the same page with the government. It's absolutely staggering. This is the first interview Brooke Jackson did with anybody. I'm very proud of that. This was December 2nd, 2021. I, I talked with her about this for two months before we led up to this interview. And it has all of the information, literally all you need to prove that these people are lying. Their own back and forth information about how they were going to cover this up. It's amazing. And this is my point. This interview, if in an honest flow of information, this should have been the end of the story. Or well, I take that back. It should have been the end of the story when, when uh, the British Medical Journal broke this, because that's where that first came out on their own website. Or when, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, the, 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 one, the guy, that great guy you could follow. I'm just blanking on his name off the top of my head. His links are in here, I'm sure. On his Substack, he's the one that officially first broke the story as one of the journalists, but no, no live interviews. And I got her to come on the interview. And we broke this down, and it's very, very clear. We then followed up again with her on February 2022, when they quietly added information to their own data. That basically they they added in their uh, their their SEC reports something about data integrity, basically saying, well, you know, if this comes out anymore, then it might hurt our bottom line. Basically admitting that their own data integrity would undermine their profit motive. It's just incredible. And then we just followed up with her on July 29th, 2023. Pfizer trial reveals, now trial in the case of the actual court law, law, uh, court of law, reveals big pharma seen as too big to fail. And that was a really profound moment that Brooke came to that I, I, I think she nailed it. And by the way, big pharma includes FDA and the CDC. Basically that they see Pfizer in this as too big to fail, just like with the financial situation. So if they bring them down, their entire medical countermeasure, their entire direction falls apart. And I think that's exactly what's happening. We sh- I mean, make sure you're following these guys because I, I, what they're doing is important. Malcolm Roberts, Rennick, it's important. And then to add to that, this very quick clip that came out, again, this should be all across the corporate news. This would, I mean, this is, this one thing right here is profound. But you won't hear this. I'm willing to bet you you haven't heard this on Tucker or any of the rest of them either. Ask yourself why that is. Uh, your vaccine mandate was using your own batch of vaccine, especially imported for Pfizer, which was not tested by the TGA. Is that correct? Uh, Senator, so 
Pfizer undertook to import um, a Baxter vaccine specifically for the employee vaccination program. Okay. Right. So they're too busy interviewing Andrew Tate and lying about that story. So the reality here is that Pfizer literally made their own special batch and did not have it tested by the TGA and gave it to their own employees. You know what that sounds like to me, guys? That sounds like Pfizer's company was the control group for the world experiment. It sounds like we were tested on. We have Israel called Pfizer's lab, as they called it themselves. That sounds like the control group to me. You give them a special batch that you know is something that's not going to hurt them, and then you execute the experiment. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Plenty do. I think that sounds like it makes sense to me, but that's my opinion. Special batch? (laughs) Come on, guys. If anything was honest in the corporate media, that would be everywhere right now. Now, here is another point that we talked about from the very beginning, and so did Dr. Byron Brittle. Brittle? Brittle? I forget now. Either way, he was exposing this a long time ago. That they, the, the conversation about whether it stays in your shoulder muscle. Do you realize that there are still people right now that will scream you down and tell you that it stays in your shoulder muscle despite endless amounts of peer-reviewed science showing that it stays in your, sho- in your body up to 28 days or even longer? Well, he lost everything because of the truth. And he's even been proven right. That's how this works. Lease was made by McGill University very proudly about an extended collaboration with the company Moderna. They have a a project number two that is going to be funded by Moderna. It's called Characterization and Quality Control of Lipid Nanoparticles. Now, I was aghast when I read this. One of the professors at McGill University is undertaking a study to characterize lipid nanoparticles so that their specific size and payload distribution may be better understood. What do they mean by payload distribution? They're saying... Where do, the, where do the messenger RNAs get delivered in the body? Two years ago, Glenn, I raised the issue publicly that I had found evidence from Pfizer's data that had been submitted to the Japanese Health Regulatory Agency that we had been publicly lied to, that these uh, shots did not stay at the injection site, but rather did what I knew they were designed to do and had been doing for the decade leading up to the release of these products, which is that they got systemically distributed. Right. You know what he's talking about? Exactly what we've been harping on. The Lieber-Langer overlap, the idea that these were delivery systems. They designed this, as they said, a payload delivery. They were working. I mean, this is exactly what we have been talking about. Now, credit to Dr. Byron, uh, Bridal here. He's, he was saying it long before I was. The point is we have discovered, looking at the overlap between Charles Langer's research, or Charles Lieber's research, and Robert Langer's research, both of which have foundational parts in all of where this goes. But the reality being that this was about designing a delivery system. And then now it's also being now the idea of Langer's overlap to this, or rather, excuse me, Charles Lieber's overlap is the surveillance system. They're talking about biosurveillance. I mean, it gets intense when you read into this. We're talking like real time, even overlapping it with ocular uh, uh, um, connections where they can real time look at what you're looking at. I'm not making this up. The science, there's peer reviewed studies from 2023 from Charles Lieber, Robert Langer. The co-founder of Moderna is involved with all of this right back to the beginning. And you can show how this ties back to everything. This is, a, I mean, this is exactly what the military is interested in. Systemic biodistribution. My career was destroyed for saying that. I said that this is evidence that this may be happening and we need to do research. We need to stop the rollout of these shots and we need to do the research to see if this is or is not happening in people. Moderna is now funding a study 
to do exactly what I proposed two years ago. Can you even believe it? <laughs> and how do Canadians feel right now knowing that Moderna, after they've done this global rollout to the entire population, that they're saying, you know what? We need to understand where these lipid nanoparticles, the mRNAs, go on the body. Think about how crazy that is. And let's be, and let's be very clear. That's, in my opinion, that is just placating people. We have Pfizer's documentation from their original trial that shows that this was in every organ. That the lipid nanoparticle concentration was predominantly in the spleen. Remember that? And the lipid nanoparticles were delivering the mRNA instructions. We have four different peer-reviewed studies that show autopsies where they had mRNA in every single organ. Same thing. Why isn't that in corporate media news? You know why. This is an open admission that they do. And his point was they're now doing a study to go. They're going, oh, well, let's find out where it all goes. Yeah. And they know it's safe and effective. Come on. Do not understand this. They do not understand this basic concept. This is the science that should have been done way before this went into a public rollout. Exactly. Now, get this. It doesn't end there. Standard techniques. Can Unless it was a big experiment and they wanted to do this in real time. And that was the control group we just talked about. Not simultaneously quantify the size and payload of individual lipid nanoparticles. And thus, only averages are measured. You know what that means, Glenn? These lipid nanoparticles, these little fat bubbles that they've used as this vaccine technology, they vary in size. Some of them are very small. Some of them are very large. It, what this is also saying is some of these lipid nanoparticles have no messenger RNAs in them, which means they cannot function as a vaccine at all. Some of them have one messenger RNA. Or gene therapy, actually. In them. Some of them have multiple messenger RNAs. They have no idea. And so what that means is the dose on the vials that people right. have been getting, the no. dose of the mRNA, that is the average dose. My God. That is the average dose. What they're admitting here is that batch to batch, if you get a vial from two different batches that have been manufactured, they are admitting almost inevitably the doses are going to be fundamentally different. Overall, they are aiming for an average dose of what is published on the on the vial. Never in our history have we rolled out to the global population any drug that if, for which a physician is unable to administer a defined dose. That should scare people. They're openly admitting. At least we know, that we know of, right? I mean, that, that's I agree with that being the narrative, but who knows? Now that we're able to stand back and objectively question things we used to all, we should have always been questioning, it's certainly possible we've been lied to about everything. That they were not able to properly control the dose of these mRNAs that people were receiving. That is egregious. Now they're going to do the research to address it. Are you serious? The link is here for you to check out. Make sure you do, because it's actually a really great conversation. Here's the full link and more information. Now, I wanted to include this just because this is exactly what I was mentioning. And just because I love to go back in here and retweet this every 10 seconds so it continues to be seen. The point is that this is another study. Here's the link to it showing this is from 2023 SARS-CoV-2 spike mRNA vaccine sequences circulate the blood up to 28 days after the vaccination. How many peer-reviewed studies do we need before we can trust the science guys? What do you think? And red cross still stands by this because they're corrupt, dishonest. We don't label blood products as containing vax or unvax blood because the COVID vaccine does not enter the bloodstream. Yeah, that's, that's just, that's, that's all. It would be hilarious if it wasn't so scary. I mean, and that, I, I keep following up. Yet another peer-reviewed study that finds that you're wrong. How can you do that? Nothing. Crickets. They won't respond. They don't care. 
because it's political, guys. And, and at the same time, they're literally forcing people to take the blood from these blood banks while refusing donors that are willing, that are unvaccinated. We saw this. And then we have two examples of children dying after that. Now, I can't say I know for sure that's why. But we have mothers that are literally screaming hospitals that won't allow them to take their children back, literally forcing the children to get blood transfusions with blood from the blood bank, despite having four donors that were willing that weren't vaccinated with the same blood type. And they refuse. That's never happened before. In fact, historically, it's always been about finding somebody low. Oh, you have your father, same blood type. Perfect. Not today. Today, they go, no, you have to take this one because we know you're an anti-vaxxer. And then the child dies. That's happened twice. Makes me sick. Oh, and in completely unrelated news, totally unrelated. Turns out there's a leprosy outbreak in Florida. What do you know? Wonder what that's related to. Also, realize I also think it's interesting how Florida seems to be this explosion of weird random things. You could take that however you want. Doesn't make much sense to me. Malaria and leprosy and all these weird things, but again, we just had the malaria overlap where they're releasing malaria of uh, uh GMO mosquitoes, as well as other GMO mosquitoes, specifically in Texas and Florida. And then we suddenly see a malaria outbreak for the first time ever in Florida and, and Texas. And we don't ever want to ask questions about that. But totally unrelated, though, right? CDC confirms leprosy in Florida. What a strange thing. Oh, would you look at that? So here's the deal. 98% of the patients who developed leprosy had the COVID vaccine before they got leprosy. What do you know about that? What a random coincidence. Here's Kevin McKernan with the study. Here it is. Leprosy adverse events associated with BNT162B2, the original COVID-19 injection. Case reports. And there's more than one, by the way. I have two that we can show, talk about today, but I found about four different studies. Here's another one. The development of BT leprosy and type 1 reaction in another individual shortly after the COVID-19 Pfizer injection. Here's the study, peer-reviewed. And it's what it says. The development of BT leprosy and type 1 reaction in another individual shortly after the dose of BNT162B2, Pfizer, may be associated with vaccine-mediated T-cell responses. Well, well, that's interesting. Isn't that exactly what Malcolm was just asking about specifically the T-cell responses and the autoimmunity? Yes, exactly. The benefits of vaccination to reduce the risk of COVID outweigh those unwanted events. Do you realize they're not saying outweigh the risk? They're saying that outweighs getting leprosy. <laughs> I mean, my God. This is just, I mean, it's, it's just so, it's, I, it's hard not to laugh at this stuff. Think about what they, the benefits of the vaccination to reduce the risk, not stop, to reduce the risk of something that is provably less than the flu outweighs these unwanted events. Getting leprosy. My God. I, can't, I mean, I guess if you want to get your study funded, right? My God. Now, to realize where this is going, they're right now telling you they're developing artificial artificial intelligence systems to tell us when the next thing's coming that we're telling you is coming right now. Gee, I wonder if they're influencing what it's about to tell us. And we can't challenge AI because they know better, they're telling us, right? We're going to get into this kind of, this is the hamster wheel, the same thing we're talking about. And before we go over to kind of finish in regard to the climate change, digital ID, technocracy, te- panopticon, I had to engage with, I had to point this out because it's just unbelievable to me. And this is one of those things that's been around the internet and back today. And frankly, I start to think that Harris does this on purpose, but I don't, I mean, I, I say that only because it's funny, but I don't know. I think he can't stand the fact that people keep highlighting him as the idiot that he seems to be, or rather just let's put it this way, the contrary. I should, because, you know, I, he apparently seems to be a pretty intelligent guy when it comes to basic reading, smarts, that kind of thing, but seems to completely lose any discernment and common sense when it comes to things like this, which just shows you exactly the point. Now, actually, let's just play what he says first, because it's kind of shocking. Dial up the 
the deadliness of the pathogen. You know, give us something like, you know, airborne Ebola that incubates for a month. You don't, you don't know you have it, and you're you walk around spreading it, and it's got, you know, a seventy five percent fatality rate, and it's mostly killing kids. No one gets to make that choice anymore. I mean, then literally the the cops come in and vaccinate you, and I I would say that all of us would agree to that. The moment again that you turn up the lethality uh, on the on the pathogen, you turn up the effectiveness of the vaccine, you turn down the risk of the vaccine. Give me a truly safe vaccine where there's not even one documented case of vaccine injury. Doesn't exist. And it will never exist. That's just not possible. That's the reality, which they'll admit if you really push it. Well, there's no vaccine that doesn't have, exactly. So there's no, they, they will always be the risk of some kind of death or serious adverse event because you just don't know how somebody's body may react. That's why it should never be forced ever or just because we have rights. You know, who cares about that, though? Right. Because as he says, because because what he's kind of assuming is that everyone else is as much of a coward as he is. So the idea being, well, you know, if you if you're scared enough, well, rights don't matter. Isn't that the point? Am I missing something? Right. So that then you just have to be completely crazy to be worried about being vaccinated in that in that kind of environment. Wow. Um then it's just a no-brainer. Then, then we just don't tolerate a diversity of opinion because the stakes wow. are too high. It's, it's a wow. full-on... So the moment that the stakes are too high, now look, there's two ways to look at it, that they are that high, which still wouldn't violate the ability for you to say you, that, that you have inherent rights. It's crazy they can't wrap their mind around that. Or the fact that the government, because the government's never known to embellish what's going on, right? The government's never been known to completely lie or carry out psychological operations to make you think so. Right. But in his mind, it doesn't matter, because if it's that serious, which we'll assume they're not lying to us or, you know, manufacturing things or how about creating the thing that drives you to do it in real fear and real danger. Does that not matter? Because to him, it doesn't. As long as the danger is real, your choice no longer matters. That's what he's saying. And, you know, we'll pretend like that means this is safe and effective no matter what, because they're saying that he said this in the beginning in this one. Remember, <laughs> now look at how it turned out. On emergency. Bodies of kids are being stacked up in parks, right? We, we, there's so many of them, we don't know what to do with them. We've got these mobile morgues, and we have a vaccine that actually works, and then we've got... That's what they told you was happening in this. And he bought that. And now we're just kind of setting the next one and going, well, if that happens, well, you bought the lie this time. Why would you not buy it the next time? RFK Jr. saying, you know, maybe you don't want, you know, maybe you don't want to get the jab on Rogan's podcast, right? That's... That that's the the world I've been worried about ever since COVID. You know, <laughs> my God, what a clown, guys! I just can't. I I just think it's not. You got, it's embarrassing. I don't. I don't need to say anything other than what I wrote right here. Commitment to one's ideals is put to the test when brought to the extreme. It's like free speech, as I've talked about a lot. Everyone pretends they support it. Twitter swears they support it until it gets difficult. You know, when it really becomes difficult, when you're talking about things that you can't even think about, horrible things that they have a right to say because that's real free speech. And you're allowed to call them horrible people. Then come the limitations. Because, well, narrative. Well, it's super dangerous. Well, the super safe. Look, the bottom line is you either support individual liberty or not. Sam apparently does not when it gets tough, when it actually matters. It's as simple as that, guys. There's very few things that I will argue. Actually, I think somebody even made it. Let me see this. I feel like somebody even made a point down here that I was. I guess it wasn't this one. But my point is. 
there's very few things that I will say that there's really no air in, right? There's no, you can't debate or you can't, but when it comes to something like inalienable rights, I'm not saying you can't make up your own mind. You could do what you want. You can decide that you don't care about those things as it pertains to you. That's, that's why, so I'm open to these conversations, but the idea that other people can decide what your choices will be, there's no air in that conversation. Your liberty will always, always trump that conversation. That's how that's the reality. That's not even about the Constitution. That's just about being a free human being. The idea that we can because look, all he's doing is creating a bear, a a line. So why won't that line move? Why won't they go? Well, it's there. You know, it's ninety nine percent safe. So you have to still take it. At what point do we just stop realizing that the line is being created so you can be driven to do something that they want you to do? And people like Sam apparently can't wrap their mind around that or don't care. It's kind of scary, to be quite honest. Well, I want to make sure we point this out, right, as, as this overlaps, right, as Sam is telling you, well, if it's just serious enough, right, if it's just people are lining up and everyone's, well, or at the very least, that's what they're telling you, right? Well, here's an example of that. How long have we been hearing about this? We're living in a climate emergency. That was April 2021. Exa- how exactly does an emergency work? If it's been almost three years, how does that work? Is it still an emergency? <laughs> well, that's exactly like they keep saying we're in an emergency for monkeypox. Do you realize that's still under an emergency right now? The point is they use that to, to dictate your actions. You're not in an emergency. COVID was never an emergency. It's less than the flu. The emergency was your government control of your life. Now, in this case, my point is, according to Sam, well, if they're claiming, and maybe he believes it, maybe it's even true, they can say, an emergency! We're all going to die, so you have to do what we say. Right? That's... That's exactly what he's pointing out, except when you realize that maybe they're lying to you a little bit, right? Now, I'm not saying you have to blindly trust this scientist, but I think the evidence is beginning to continue to pile up where every time they make a prediction, it doesn't happen, or they just flip-flop between cold and hot and whatever, or the fact that they're lying about the entire reason this is happening. The bottom line is, at least consider what this person is saying, because this is somebody who was raised up as one of their team until they were like, wait a minute. I think we made a mistake here. And then she got completely dragged through the mud. How does that work? So you, you want to point out a fallacy, which we can prove is wrong. And because it exposed, the whole point is like everything else. Even if they know she was wrong, the point is, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't do that because that will under, that'll create climate change hesitancy. And that's more important because we all know that's real. It's like COVID-19. They just go, well, you can't do that. It's killing children. Well, don't tell anybody because that'll undermine vaccine hesitancy. We all know that's more important. It's killing children. I mean, the point, the rationale for these people is it's irrational. Scientists admits the overwhelming consensus on climate change crisis is manufactured. This came out yesterday. We are told climate change is a crisis and that there is an overwhelming scientific consensus. It's manufactured consensus, says climate scientist Judith Curry. She says scientists have an incentive to exaggerate risk to pursue fame and fortune. She knows that that she knows about that because she once spread alarm about climate change. The media loved her when she published a study that seemed to show a dramatic increase in hurricane intensity. Quote, we found that the percent of category four and five hurricanes has doubled. And everyone, oh, my gosh, well, it has to be climate change. Right. And they loved it. That was kind of as she points out, that was kind of the beginning of using weather to argue climate change. Right. She goes, this was picked up by the media. Because they're experts, right? (laughs) And then climate alarmists realized, oh, here is the way to do it. The extreme weather events to global warming. So she says this hysteria, or he says this hysteria is your fault. And she goes, not really. She goes, they would have picked picked up on it anyways. 
She goes, she says, I was adopted by the environmental advocacy groups and the alarmists, and I was treated like a rock star, flown all over the place to meet the politicians. But then some researchers pointed out gaps in her research, years with low levels of hurricanes. Like a good scientist, she says she investigated, rather an honest scientist. She realized that they were, the critics were right. She says, quote, part of it was bad data. Exactly the point. You put in bad data, you get bad research, bad outcomes. And the point is that people don't think about that. They're using the IPCC or I think it's with the acronym, right? The IPCC, right? And that, that we're finding out that data is manipulated. They're lying in many cases. Corbett's pointed this out. Real climate science, real climate science, real climate science.com. Tony Heller always points this stuff out. It's very clear. But it says, she realized she was that they were right, and she's part of it was bad data. Part of it was natural climate variability. She points out, Curry was the unusual researcher who looked at criticism of her work and actually concluded they have a point. It is quite rare, actually. Then the Climate Gate scandal taught her that other climate researchers weren't so open-minded. Alarmist scientists' aggressive attempts to hide data suggesting climate change is not a crisis were revealed in leaked emails. She's pointing this out, her own emails, where they're trying to stop her from revealing what she found. Quote, avoiding Freedom of Information Act requests, trying to get journal editors fired for pointing out that they were wrong, right? Stopping them from getting the information that proved they were wrong. Why would you do that if you, the point is that either they know they're wrong and they're trying to hide it, or they genuinely think that that's an anomaly, but they're still willing to lie to you so you don't see it. It made Curry realize that there is a climate change industry set up to reward alarmism. And again, maybe because they think it's true and they're willing to scare you to get it done or that they don't care. Either way, it's dishonest. And quite frankly, they're provably wrong, in my opinion. But it says the origins go back to, surprise, surprise, the U.N. environmental program. Some United Nations officials were motivated by anti-capitalism. Here's what I find so interesting about this. It says they, they hated the oil companies and seized on the climate change issue to move their policies along. You can make the same argument with the transgender movement, that it was ultimately about trying to change the way society worked. And ultimately, the narrative used to do that got picked up and now is believed in. Now, I don't know whether that's the same thing here. The point is, if you argue that it was really starting about, you know, trying to shift the world into a better, more virtuous direction by kind of lying about the dangers of climate change, and then suddenly it just kind of got absorbed and now everyone buys it. Like, I, th- I see this happening more and more in politics. But it says the UN created the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The IPCC wasn't supposed to focus on any benefits of warming. The IPCC's mandate was to specifically look for dangerous human-caused climate change. The researchers quickly figured out that the way to get funding, as it always is with this case, was to make alarmist claims about man-made climate change. This is how manufactured consensus happens. In any context, it's important. So the bottom line is, she's somebody who was praised as on this side until she realized a mistake, and then they kicked her out. Seems pretty clear to me. I thought this was an important point. This is from July 31st, 2023. Rishi Sunak defends his private jet journeys as the most effective use of his time. Well, this is the point we were just making, right? As I pointed out, Simon Sinek and the idea that leaders eat last. And my point was that today the leaders aren't doing that. They're not making sure you're fed and you're safe before themselves. No, they're jumping out ahead and saying, no, 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 I have to eat first. Otherwise, I can't lead. And you have to make sure I eat first. Otherwise, you don't get to eat. And sometimes that means you have to die to make sure I eat. But that's in the best interest of everybody. That's our leaders today. Those aren't leaders, guys. Those are rulers. True leaders don't need to ask to be followed. The point is, that's exactly this right here. 
right? You have to stop driving your cars. You can't fly everywhere because climate change, but I have to because I'm so important. I'm the one saving everybody, so I have to get all the benefits. I have to eat first. These aren't leaders, guys. These are, these are manipulators. It's embarrassing. Well, Ben Swan points out they're already dreaming of climate lockdowns. This is Siegel. Because the virus does not negotiate, nor does it make compromises. And this is on March 26, 2021, until this pandemic, right? The, the hype being about the, the, the shift now being the climate doesn't wait. It doesn't negotiate, nor does it make compromises. Look at that. I mean, my God, they're just using the same script, which is how this tends to work. I, they're coming. We've been telling you the client. I didn't even bring it up this time, but I've written about climate change lockdowns coming many times. Here's an interesting point. Dan Naturman says, people who claim to do their own research <laughs> regarding climate change would think the sun revolves around the earth if they had to figure it out for themselves. I mean, what an absolute ass. Excuse me. I mean, it's not even a, it's not even a valid argument. I give you, I mean, I'll, I'll let the people, com- I'll let the comments speak for themselves before I give you my opinion. This guy, Sing Sing, says, people who do their own research, like, say, Copernicus, here he says, and you accept Copernicus's findings without having done your own research? Do you accept the Earth is third prompt from the sun? Did you do your, own, do your own research? And he goes, yes, with a telescope. I can confirm with the third planet from the sun. Nothing. <laughs> Oops, that didn't work out too well, did it, you jackass? Like, the point is, as that same clip we play about the, the peer-reviewed sense, consensus, the leaders of thought historically have always been the outsider, have always been the one challenging the consensus, except for this, these people today acting like that's the only way things get done. People who do the research are the people who have changed the world. Doesn't mean that you will by researching for yourself, but the point is the, to act like that's stupid is the epitome of ignorance. There's another example. This guy says, well, it might be worth pointing out, quote, experts told people the sun revolves around the earth for many, many centuries, right? Then they accepted the heliocentricity for a little while. Then they banned its teaching for a couple centuries before finally accepting about 200 years ago. (laughs) Completely shatters your ridiculous argument. And he goes, do you accept heliocentricity? Did you do your research? Did you do your research of the earth being there? I mean, same old dumb response. And he goes, I do. My point is treat information with skepticism and in context. Blind trust and blind distrust have a lot in common. (laughs) Nothing. Because this, is, this guy's an idiot. Like you, you can, because if you are, he's already, he clearly has an agenda. This is the th- there's five or six examples right in the beginning of his conversation that logically make him look like he's wrong, and he just keeps going. The point is obviously the experts were the very same people who had the wrong narrative before they changed it. The point is that the only reason people can see through this is because people do their own research. This person says, I accept uncritically what people in positions of authority tell me is a weird flex. <laughs> That's exactly what he's saying. How dare you think for yourself? I trust what they tell me. Like he's somehow better than you. <laughs> it's just pretty stupid, right? And this guy, same thing, same dumb response. Do you accept the established view that the speed of light is approximately 186,000 miles per second? Or did you conduct your own experiments? This guy says, if countervailing evidence is prevented, presented, I'll review it and come to a conclusion either way. I won't reject offhand the idea that I should look into a countervailing argument because, quote, experts. That's a profoundly flawed and frankly stupid way to approach life. You'll be scammed, says somebody who's clearly farly. Look, look at the ratio here. (laughs) Look at the ratio on his comment. 
it's just staggering. And the guy got completely destroyed. And he goes, I don't reject countervailing evidence, although I likely lack sufficient expertise to truly analyze such evidence. In any case, tweets by anonymous randos and rants by comedians is not countervailing evidence. Assuming that's what we're like, what? It could, this guy is completely ridiculous. First of all, well, again, I'll let this guy answer. He says, yes, the experts might be wrong, but I go with the odds. And he goes, well, the odds are that the people in power are manipulating you. We're the ones that are going with the odds. Well, first, but the main point here, are you, why are you assuming that we're talking about Joe Rogan? I'm pointing at Dr. Peter McCola. I'm, I'm pointing at other experts that are out there telling you what they're seeing because they're experts. And then I'm doing my own research around what they're te- talking about because I care. And he's dismissing that because experts said. Who's the dumb one in that scenario, as I consider all perspectives, and he ignores the ones he thinks aren't valid? Like, it's just so ridiculous. You guys all know this, but the sad reality is this is the kind of thing driving the climate change mantra, the religion that it is. Well, here are all the experts that are just flat out telling you it's all about achieving these arbitrary stated arguments that you didn't have any say in voting for to destroy the planet, apparently, and kill, remove carbon. And so we all, I mean, the idea that that's going to do anything but destroy your food supply and the, and anything that's seeming like the idea of that we're supposed to even just decarbonize the, our economy is counter to the idea of human life. Like that's what we have to really understand. And I truly believe that there is a eugenicist, potentially transhumanist mindset behind all this, but that's a little much for some people. Here's what they're saying. And, you know, don't forget 2030 is a conspiracy theory those goals and decarbonize our economies to reach net zero emissions by 2050. We have to uh, transition to electric vehicles about 20 times faster than we are now. And we have to fully transition to a resilient net zero economy. Right, it doesn't matter if we're using slave labor with lithium mines and all the different things that have been proven to not even remotely be sustainable. As long as you can skate a number that makes you apl- get you applause at the World Economic Forum in the UN. I mean, it's, it's like I'm not saying if we didn't do this properly that we might not be able to transition to these things, but that's not even legitimately possible right now. That's aggressively proven. So why are we pushing it then? Because this is about control, right? That's what this is about. It seems like they're destroying things that allow people to exist so they can reduce the population and drive things back to where they want it to be. That's one possibility. But the bottom line is these things are anti-human. What they're doing is destroying food supplies with nothing to replace it. That's happening in, in the Dutch farmer situation right now. It's happening in the United States. There's quite literally nothing to replace these things. They can't just say, well, here's a plan. You're right now stopping farmers. How do you make sense of that without realizing that people are going to hurt? Our goal is to accelerate the transition to a net zero economy, particularly by boosting private capital flows. While the so-called net zero economy is a goal of the American left, they haven't told the truth about how much pain it would take to actually get there. Well, luckily for us, the UK is revealing it all in stunning detail. Just how miserable your future actually could be, how restrictive and how freedom crushing your existence will be. Joining us now is someone who's broken this all down. Norman Fenton, professor emeritus of risk at Queen Mary University of London. Professor, it is my pleasure to have you on the show tonight. I was so taken by your analysis that I was dying to have you on. So I want to begin with this chart showing what would be required in terms of of air travel and driving in order to achieve this so-called net zero goal. Explain this. Well, the key thing is that when they talk about 
net zero. They really mean absolute zero because net zero, they're talking about all greenhouse gas emissions, including methane, being less of those than removals. And since there's no large scale capture and removal technology available other than tree planting, net zero actually means that you've got to get rid of those uh, emissions completely. So, and I, I, mean, you, I will let you finish be the interest of time. The, the point, you, you guys already understand the point. The idea of cutting down trees to put up windmills. I mean, the, the point you, you just quickly said there, which we should remember from school, is that trees are exactly the one of the main per, one of the main things that are capturing carbon and putting oxygen into the world. And they're literally cutting down acres and acres of trees to put up windmills that end up breaking down years later, and they can't replace them. And they're dripping out terrible things into the atmosphere or into the environment. We just went over that. They're not. They're not sustainable. They are not even. Uh, um, well, I guess sustainable is the right word for it. They're not. I mean, because they, they once they break down, they're not usable again and they need to be they're very expensive. And those things are just sitting in the ground. They're gigantic and they're leaching toxic things in the ground. Right. They're doing that right now. It's absolutely it's, it is ludicrous. It is absolutely ludicrous. Now, here is something that really scares me. This is uh, uh, Lulu from uh, President Lula, excuse me, from uh, uh, Brazil, who is speaking about global governance to enforce climate change action to make sure that everyone complies all right and this is it's in subtitles so it's an inch of time you can watch it for yourself the point is that this is happening all around the world whether this guy knows he's wrong or not doesn't matter these are global government entities that are driving forced action this has been the point we were just making it's the same reason sam's over here telling you well if it's bad enough then you've got to do what the, that's what's happening we're being driven into a position where they're trying to get you scared enough to where they can force you and then if you don't anyway they're going to drive it in anyway just like with covid19 here is a video of Klaus Schwab's daughter, not, not specifically saying climate lockdowns, but if you listen to it, they're basically getting into the idea that this is going to be necessary. You can listen to it for yourself. Here is an important video I did want to play about another one in the past, one of the most popular ones in the past, where RT brought this guy on to say basically like, how bad is it going to get? And he completely shatters the narrative. Wildfires, the smog-filled cities and poor harvest are being seen by some environmentalists as signs of climate change. Let's now cross live to London to discuss this with Piers Corbyn. He's an astrophysicist Hello. and also founder of Weather Action. Uh, good to have you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us live there in London. So what we are seeing here is a drastic change in climate, aren't we? Well, climate has always been changing, uh, but this has nothing to do with man. In fact, we predicted that there would be extreme heat in uh, East Europe and Russia this uh, summer. And uh, it's caused by a certain circulation pattern. CO2 does not cause circulation patterns. What causes those is a combination of solar activity and uh, the state of the, the phases of the moon. But hang on, Piers, uh, wait, wait, fact, excuse me, just a minute. You say this isn't caused by man. How come they're reporting this heat wave is recognized as the worst in a thousand years of recorded history in well, Russia? Well, how, how come the reports say that we're all going to die? <laughs> like, what a complete ass. Like, these people are, you're talking to an expert, right? You bring him on because he's, you think he's going to say what you want him to say. And then he goes, yeah, you're wrong, though. And you, all, you, what you do is go, but the, the reports are, well, well, I'm told is different. You brought him on to tell you things. Not The point is that they expected an answer. The, and this is even RT, guys. The point is, and I shouldn't say it like that, because RT in, in particular is, it, it all these outlets are trying to manipulate you in the ways they want to manipulate you. Ultimately, you got to find the truth where you can. The point, though, is that this is exactly what's happening everywhere, and they're not really in this to get you information. Right? They're asking people on that will confirm what they want you to think. 
That's not journalism. Now, again, you can watch this if you want. I'll include it. I just I wanted to get this under two hours today, so I'm trying to wrap up the last parts of this. But let's realize that they are actually doing this. They are they are Scottish government, and this is more than Scotland. It's all over the place. I'm seeing this. They cut down 16 million trees in order to clear the way for windmills. So you're screaming about too much carbon, and so instead of keeping the trees that are literally removing carbon from the atmosphere, you put in things that create it. Under the argument that somehow that's going to reach net zero, uh, the argument because we'll, we'll switch to green technology, but that's not even viable. That's the word I was looking for earlier. And on top of that, they don't last. I mean, think about the idea. This, to me, seems like they're trying to create the very problem they're telling you is there. That's absolutely ludicrous. Now, let's not forget. They're, they, this is 2021. They've been calling this for a long time, as much as they'll, it, it, when they can, call it a conspiracy theory. Why the U.S. should establish a carbon price. That's carbon tax. Either through reconciliation or other legislation. Yeah, pass laws that say you have to pay for carbon. That's what they're, that's what they, even though all that's going to happen is you pay. The average person, because all these companies are going to do, if, if not given passes, which is also going to happen, they just pay. They just earmark it and pay extra and then pollute anyway. So it doesn't actually stop the pollution. They just make money from it. That's always how this goes. But you, of course, have to pay more for your gas. You will end up driving less because you have to, and they'll herald that as a positive change even though the pollution continues by the main polluters of the world. And other governments around the world don't care about this as much as they do anyway. And none of it's actually amounting to what they say it is anyway. It's about control over your life. And that's exactly where this is going. Here is, and this can with a great pointing this out, but this has been shown by a lot of people at the World Economic Forum telling you what's coming based on that point. Developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Hmm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Right. So, of course, he's saying individual that you can operate. But let's just be real about the point that this is something that's in action and it's tracking you. And how has that worked in the past when you got these apps that totally swear not to, not to take your information and not to violate your privacy? How's that worked out for so far? Right? They lie, and they do it anyway. COVID mandates, contact tracing. We swear, French said. The UK, we swear. We won't, and then they do it anyway and sell it to companies. Right? The point is, or how about me, 23andMe? We swear. And then where's the legal accountability for any of these people? There's a crime taking place because we're all being lied to. Individual carbon tracker is something you can monitor, but they'll be doing it too. And by the way, it's already happening. Here is an article from 2021. Coming soon, America's own social credit system. Right. They've been, they've been heralding this for a long time while screaming the China bad guy. It's all coming your way. Now, the point is how those things come together. Here's Fox News. E.g. ESG scores similar to China's credit score system designed to transform society, think tank director says. The point is ESG is exactly what we're talking about. It's a game that's being played to measure, you know, the, the virtue signaling of these different companies. The point, though, is that they've already given themselves passes. I've, point, I've shown you this many times. Let me see if I can even get the pop up. There it is. Perfect. It's this one right here. This is an article that literally highlights this exact point where they're saying, well, you know, because we use nuclear weapons and gas and oil to fight for freedom, 
Well, then, and, and they, they specifically point to Ukraine. They go, well, then we, then we need to be able to use those things. And that makes it ESG compliant. Think about that somersault. Right, so suddenly gas and oil become green because they're fighting Ukraine or with Ukraine. That's happening. The UK and the US government have already argued that nuclear weapons, gas, and oil are allowed to be used by certain entities because, you know, freedom for freedom and stuff. Even though that's the exact opposite of what they're doing. I mean, this is how stupid they think we are. And then, of course, let's realize that this all ends up being important when they connect the whole thing to your digital ID, which in Ethiopia, they're already making obligatory for banking operations, completely tied to your financial situation. But don't worry, because they're not connected until they are, and then they can shut you all down and say, sorry, you can't take your money out because your carbon tax is too high. And all of the rest comes together. Your social credit score is a problem. Let's shut your bank down. If you don't think this is real, you're lying to yourself. This is literally being built around you right now right this moment, if not already set up. It's terrifying, I know. Now, here's an interesting side point. Electoral Commission from the United States, or this is in the UK, excuse me, in regard to you know elections and stuff, said, today we announced that we have been the subject of a complex cyber attack and our systems were accessed by hostile actors. Frankly, I don't even believe it, even if it, I mean, let's just say it did happen. I guarantee what's going to happen is this is going to be used to justify exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Now, they go in to talk about the hostile actors and what they did. And really, the bottom line for me is every one of these governments are actively trying to influence the other all the time. Don't forget, they told you about the cyber polygon and how that was going to overlap the cyber pandemic, because that really makes no sense at all. Well, here's the crux of the point. How digital identity can help pave the way for e-voting. Well, of course, if we can get rid of all the possibility and the vulnerabilities and switch over to some secure digital ID where you can vote on your X app on your phone, right? Well, there you go. It all works out, doesn't it? It's not a secret that these things are overlapping. This is 2020. Uneven, surprising changes in using digital ID to vote all the way around the world. 2022. It's all, all of this overlaps. The point is creating the, the, the problem. They already have the solution prepared. They're creating problems so people will stand up and go, oh, no, we have to protect the voting. They're coming after us. What do we do? Government, help us. And they jump in and go, here we go. We'll give you digital IDs. We'll protect it for you, which is exactly what they wanted. The reaction was the people screaming about it. Problem, reaction, solution. It's very basic. Right? It all comes together. Digital IDs. And don't forget that Derek Rose has been writing about this for a long time. Even the New York, uh, uh, New York University School of Law a very prominent school of law, openly spoke up and said, it's paving a digital road to hell. That's their words. They said the digital ID direction is paving a digital road to hell. That is the New York University School of Law. And actually, technically, it's the New York University Center for Human Rights and Global Justice. I mean, my God, we don't want to pay attention. It's quite alarming. Here's the next part. They wrote this in May 13, 2022, exposing the digital ID as a human rights scam. The argument that they, you know, we have to give digital IDs to the world because we're removing these people in foreign countries of their human rights. No, it's a lie. This is only going, as the New York School the University is saying, only going to create more tyranny, more control over your life. This one was written in June 7, 2023. Technocracy in Action, WHO and European Commission Partner for Digital Health with new COVID-19 digital certificate. 2023. Why would they need that in 2023? Because COVID's over. <laughs> Nothing's happening. It was never dangerous in the first place. Injections are killing everybody. But let's make a digital certificate for it. It's not about that. As Spiro points out, 
two of Bill Gates' projects join forces on digital IDs. Digital Impact Alliance Managing Director Priya Voya said digital identity to be scaled and ultimately transform all aspects of social, political, and economic life. Is that what you want? It's not what I want. And guess what? ID 2020. Look at that coming full circle. ID 2020 partners with Digital Impact Alliance. Remember what this was? We had a whistleblower that spoke up in 2020. She defected from the ID 2020 program, calling it techno-solutionism. Screaming about the risks of vaccine passports and digital IDs, and we didn't listen. Watch it for yourself, guys. She was trying to alarm us, trying to warn us about what was coming. And now, it's, and now it's overlapped and connected with the digital ID right now, just like she warned because of whatever solutionism they want to use, the techno solution. They're trying to use a problem they've created to justify the need for this, and it's happening right now. Now, let's also not forget the point we just talked about in the other show about the dystopian direction that all of this opens up. Here is a, a CEO, a Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla. We played this, I think, twice already on the show. Talking about, and of course, don't forget, this was one of the many examples of partisan people out there in the two-party illusion who chose to lie about this and edit it selectively so it sounded like he was talking about COVID-19. That's the first time we saw this, remember? And we had to break it down, and people called you a shill for Pfizer because they didn't want to admit this was wrong. The point was, this was about, and it's still important, though. It's about a pill. It's about an electronic pill, and it's about the idea that you can tell if somebody's taken it. Now, the point was, he argues it's for... People with schizophrenia and whatever else, but obviously that's bigger than that. Now, the point was, truth matters either way. Even if you think that the lying for your truth is getting to the real point of it, that's your opinion. The truth is still the truth, and we have to be clear about that. Otherwise, we're just as bad as everybody else. The truth in and of it by itself is alarming enough. You don't need to lie about it to trick people. That's counterproductive. The electric pill, for even for schizophrenia, is terrifying because what they're really saying is we'll, we'll be possibly that's already been deployed. That's for you to decide that will be able to tell whether or not you've done what you're supposed to do. That's terrifying. Maybe I will use an example. I think uh, it's fascinating what's happening in this field right now. I mean, FDA approved the first uh, electronic pill, if I can call it like that. So it is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. Yeah, and realize this is before COVID-19. So imagine the applications of that, compliance, compliance. Uh, The insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, It is uh, fascinating what happens in in, uh, this field. We align very much with the China Healthy 2030, and we are trying to contribute as much as we can. I think we will see a lot of advancements with mRNA. And the good thing, after the success of COVID, it is that right now we have a substantial wave of companies, biotechs and big pharmas, that are working on mRNA. A lot. And they are working on multiple applications of mRNA. Uh, so I think the first, the, the first things that I'm hopeful to see it is other vaccines other than COVID. A flu vaccine with mRNA, a single vaccine. Yeah, which is already happening, right? We've, we've shown you all of them. The, the ferritin nanoparticle universal flu vaccine or the, the quadvalent flu vaccine mRNA or the COVID RSV flu mRNA quad tri vaccine. All these exist. All of them are actually being made, if not already being tested. All of them. 
on the platform, the same platform that we just, a peer-reviewed study just found is the problem. The same platform that's still using things based on sequences without any new safety testing. Same stuff, guys. Same stuff. With mRNA. Other vaccines with mRNA. I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of breakthroughs on the medical front, uh, particularly around synthetic uh, mRNA. Uh, you can basically do anything with uh, synthetic uh, RNA. Yeah, that's the N1-methylpseudouridine modified RNA, which is what they're using in these injections, which is dangerous, to say the least. Um, it's, it's like a computer program. So, yep. I mean, I think with enough, with, with, uh, with effort, that's not too crazy. You could probably stop aging, reverse it if you want. Yeah, that's why they were, they, they, a lot of these things we already talked about. I think that was the interleukin-15 point we made before. There's an overlap there with, with aging and how it affects the body. But the point here is that all of this is an experiment. And that's how this stuff is being done. That's why I argue Pfizer giving themselves a special batch for their own company is a control group. They, it's, an, it's an experimental injection. It, how else do you need to hear it? It's an experiment. Um, uh, these are, you can basically do it. You can turn someone into a freaking butterfly if you want with the right DNA sequence. There you go, guys. That's where we are. Yeah. Go jump on your X app and, and do everything through them because it's the new it's the new everything app like we like. What was the one? The uh, is it WeChat? Is that what it's called? I'm not blanking on that term all of a sudden. The one in China. That's like the, the one everyone uses. Well, he already told you that's what he wants to do. All right. Why can't we see this overlap? Because partisan screamers out there that are leading the charge like some kind of Pied Piper into the Great Reset are acting like he's fighting for you. And plenty of people are following along. Maybe not knowing any better. Well, here's what we just talked about, just to kind of end with the scary reality of what's literally happening in front of us right now. Where are we at? 212? Dang it, I wanted to end at 2 today. New Apple AirPods patent can monitor the wearer's brain waves and other biosignals. Like we already, we've gone over the actual patent this on the show already. This is, not, this is not fake news. This is real stuff. And this is directly from... Now, it's not saying that they're doing that, but why wouldn't they? They're, they're, this is something that's actively being done and it's not just about the Apple ear, the earpods. It's about something much bigger than that. Now, this is where I'll include in the show notes for those that were asking during the AM Wake Up Show. This here's the actual uh, full video. So this is important to see the whole thing. This is thirty minutes long. Well, this it's this is the the ad. I'm not going to let it play. But let's let's jump into this. I'm going to play you two important parts of this that you got most of you probably already seen. But I wanted to reiterate this before we end today. That's Hello, important. Everybody, I'm Nicholas Thompson. I'm the CEO of The Atlantic, and I will be your moderator today. Oh, great. So a corporate media stooge facilitating the World Economic Forum direction. That's nothing surprising at all. So here's the alarming part right here. Start out. Productive you've been. Stand a wonderful future where we can use brainwaves to fight crime, be more productive, and find love. Yeah, yeah, and monitor your life and keep you in a tyrannical prison, but, you know, but also fight crime. You know, crime being anybody doing something the government doesn't like. Let's roll. You're in the zone. Even you can't believe how productive you've been. Your memo is finished, your inbox is under control, and you're feeling sharper than you have in a decade. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song. Sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. You glance at the program running in the background on your computer screen and notice a now familiar sight that appears whenever you're overloaded with pleasure, your theta brainwave activity decreasing in the temporal regions of your brain. You mentally move the cursor to the left 
and scroll through your brain data over the past few hours. You can see your stress levels rising as the deadline to finish your memo approached, causing a peak in your beta brainwave activity right before an alert popped up, telling you to take a brain break. But what's that unusual change in your brain activity when you're asleep? It started earlier in the month. You send a text message to your doctor with a mental swipe of your cursor. Could you take a quick look at my brain data? Anything to worry about? Your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance. But you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that day congratulates you on your brain metrics from the past quarter. Think about how disgustingly invasive this is. Why would anybody want this? Like, I, and they're trying to frame this as a positive thing. It's actually creepy as hell. I don't know anybody that doesn't think this is scary. And it's not even a positive thing. You're talking about surveillance and enforcement. Why is that a positive outlook for anybody? Which have earned you another performance bonus. You head home jamming to the music. And that's one point not to forget for the last part of the show today. You know, the, the gamification of this stuff, right? The idea where you can gain extra credits because you were positive that day or because you said the right thing. Or, you know, because you're sharing the right information on the new everything platform. You know, that kind of stuff. Where you, and there's, a, there's already patents for some of cryptocurrency gaining from your internal information. You guys have seen that. It's a Microsoft patent. We'll get to that in a second. Music. With your work issues, brainwave, a somber cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year. They have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his co-conspirators. You discover they are looking for synchronized brain activity between your coworker and the people he has been working with. While you know you're innocent of any crime, you've been secretly working with him on a new startup venture. Shaking, you remove your earbuds. Hey, that's where it ends. What a positive story, right? Woo! Almost had to go to prison for something I didn't do. Woo! Technocracy, how great this is. I, th I just can't even believe they would show that. And if you watch the full thing, they actually tell you at the end, well, I wanted to give you the kind of the not scary version. That is the not scary version. Like the idea that you may be impl you know, implicated just because you have brainwave synchronization, like, or, or synchronicity. Synchronicity, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, talk about how, how that is as Orwellian as it gets. Thank you, Orwell. Just grab the other one for me that I forgot to grab. I forgot about this one. But then there's this one, too. We, all, we watch both of these. Now, this one is absolutely terrifying. This is where it actually is right now. And, oh, you know what? I'll actually hold on. I'm gonna, I forgot. There's a, this is the full video. I'm going to play one more part of this. Or maybe just this part here, too. What do you think? Is it a future you're ready for? You may be surprised to learn that it's a future that has already arrived. Right. Don't forget, those are the ear pods we're showing you, or at least the patents for the technology. It's already here. Listen to her. Everything in that video that you just saw is based on technology that is already here today. Artificial intelligence has enabled advances in decoding brain activity in ways that we never before thought possible. You've heard a lot mm -hmm. about AI over 
the past few years here at Davos. It's been the talk of the hour. But I want to talk about it in a different way, which is the ability to decode brainwave activity. Right. That's what the next video is all about. And it's real. It's happening right now. And it's probably been around for a decade, as far as I can tell. After all, what you think, what you feel, it's all just data. Data that in large patterns can be decoded using artificial intelligence. Consider this. The average person thinks thousands of thoughts each day. Let's see. Get to the one part. I almost want to just watch this. I've seen it before, but it's worth watching it all. It's re all of it's real crazy. The last part is just the one that I think is the most, it's just so, it's this part, it's just so crazy. And this gets, this gets into exactly the point we're talking about, the earbuds. And that technology. is paying attention or they're doing something different. The newest way to monitor attention is through a device like this one. These are ear pods that are mm -hmm. launching later this year. Yep. These ear pods, much like the video you watched earlier, are ear pods that can pick up brainwave activity and tell whether or not a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering. Now, don't forget, she said later this year, this, this video is six months old. They're, they're being used. And maybe not even with people's knowledge. Think about that. Okay. Well, you might think, fine. But even if we can tell whether a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering, you can't tell what they're paying attention to. You would be wrong. It turns out that you can not only tell whether, whether a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering, but you can discriminate between the kinds of things that they're paying attention to. Whether they're doing something like central tasks, like programming, peripheral tasks, like writing documentation. Last part. Them, or to watch for their lagging cognitive decline over time and using it as a way to discriminate against them. Well, sounds fun. We might soon even use the technology to help people wake back up. This is a haptic scarf that MIT Media Lab has developed, which uses brainwave technology in a responsive way to give a person a little buzz, <laughs> literally, when their mind starts to wander to help them refocus and hone their attention. My God. It's weird. I thought there was another part of that. I guess I'm misremembering that. But so here's the next one. The latest paper, the one that happened even after this, which is already better, uses stable diffusion, uses the thing that you use to make art. Like, what should a thing that you use to make art have anything to do with reading your brain? But of course, it goes further. So in this one, they said, can they understand um, the inner monologue, the things you're saying to yourself in your own mind? Mind you, by the way, when you dream, your dream, like your visual cortex runs in reverse, so your dreams are no longer safe. Um, but we'll try this. So they had people watch a video and just narrate what was going on in the video in their mind. So there's a woman, she gets hit in the back, she falls over. This is what the computer reconstructed the person thinking. Now, to be clear, this is in a lab with these things connected, right? But the next part is where it gets into how this can be done without those things connected. See a girl, looks just like me, get hit in the back, and then she is knocked off. Still, that's still crazy. The idea that they can literally read your brain. Like, so that, that, in my mind, implicates things for, like, interrogation. So if you're grabbed and you can just connect some things and we can tell what you're thinking, that's terrifying. So our thoughts like are starting to be decoded. Yeah. Just think about what this means for authoritarian states, for instance. Like the U.S. government? The British or government. if you want to generate images that maximally activate China, your pleasure sensor or anything else. Okay, but let's keep going, right? To really get the sense of the combinatorics of this. How about 
can we go from Wi-Fi radio signals, you know, sort of like the Wi-Fi routers in your house, they're bouncing off radio signals that work sort of like sonar. Can you go from that to where human beings are to images? So what they did is they had, um, you know, a camera looking at a space with people in it. Um, that's sort of like coming in from one eye. The other eye is the radio signals, so sonar from the uh, Wi-Fi router. How long have I been talking about this, right? We, I've been pro- this has been thing that's been vi- possible a long time ago. We've had Wi-Fi routers in our houses for how long? And realize that he makes it, he, he compares it to sonar. So what he's about to show you is the bodies that they can see, but realize if it's sonar, which it makes perfect sense, it's talking about just signals that are bouncing back and then and being picked up again, and they're able to discern where things are. That means anything. 3D mapping your house. Well, they did that with Pokemon Go a long time ago. But the point is, this is real-time information. That is absolutely terrifying. And then imagine 5G in the next level and what that means the world around. And they- that, that ubiquitous, anytime surveillance. They just learned to predict, like, this is where the human beings are. Then they took away the camera. So all the AI had was the language of radio signals bouncing around a room. And this is what they're able to reconstruct. <laughs> Thank you for calling me a reactionary simpleton. Maybe you should do some research, though, because you're wrong. Real-time 3D pose estimation, right? So suddenly, AI has turned every Wi-Fi router into a camera that can work in the dark, specially tuned for tracking living beings. Mm-hmm. Right. For, for those that are acting like this is a lie, I mean, everything is really possible. Question it, guys. Question it. Do your research. And if you, if you have two brain cells rubbed together, you're going to be able to see that this is technologically possible very easily. But, you know, because people are finding conspiracy and basic things that we can prove today when ignoring things like East Palestine and Ukraine and COVID-19, you know, that's how this seems to go. Like, we're all consumed with talking about what's going on in Hawaii, which, by the way, I'm interested in. Who knows what's going on over there? Or the new fire conversation that comes up all the time, which is interesting, and maybe it's a story. But meanwhile, we're ignoring all the very important stories that we can prove that you put people in prison. I think maybe that's partly what's happening. Call me crazy. But let's realize this is something that's been around a long time to that very point that Scott has done some great work on taking one of my recent shows about this, the current state of mind reading technology and what, what, that we know of and adding a whole bunch of that's by the way, which is what he does every day on the Substack, which you should check out. You should subscribe to because we have special things for that. But he gets into some of these, ta- these patents that you can see. And one of these is really terrifying. Cryptocurrency system using body activity data, basically paying you out to monitor what you're doing. Microsoft patent. Right there. Cryptocurrency system using body activity data. This is a Microsoft patent from 2019. Human body activity associated with the task provided to to a user may be used in a mining process of cryptocurrency system. Now, what this ultimately amounts to for me, <laughs> don't worry, Stephanie, I don't take it personally. So what, 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 what this, for me, is about setting up the kind of like gamification of everything, right? The metaverse, overlap, all of it. And I think it's really important to understand that this is something that is being laid out in front of us. Look, and rightly so, question it, guys. Maybe it's all a big scam and we're all being lied to. It's certainly possible. But my opinion, I think this is where we're being driven to. Right. We also know right now, Sam Altman, as Derek wrote, Artificial Intelligence, the Bilderberg and WorldCoin was a great article where he, over, he talks about the idea of how this is already being set up, where people are being asked to scan. And by the way, I found out that this was there's I guess there's multiple herbs, I guess, all over the place. But you have to be in person to scan your eyes to be able to get this WorldCoin. It's already kind of starting. Right. It's where they're getting you into this, giving up your privacy, giving up your personal info. And hey, we'll give you a cookie. 
or digital cookie, right? Well, this is where this comes in. And this was something I was like struggling to describe <laughs> at our last pirate stream episode, probably embarrassingly. So like as I was doing it, I'm like, this isn't coming across the way I think it is. The point is that this is a terrifying thing that I think we, a lot of us have already seen kind of fluctuating throughout the internet, but it's very confusing to say this very quickly right now on TikTok, there is this thing where people are, I th- I, guess, I didn't think that they were knowingly pretending to, be, pretending to be NPCs, but I'm guessing, I'm hearing that that is kind of what it is. But what it amounts to is some, a lot of them are like attractive, uh, you know, creators on this platform. And they're getting monetary benefits to pretend to be, basically to have pre-programmed responses is the right way to say it. Now, whether they see it as an NPC or not, the point is you give them five cents for, and it pops up as an ice cream cone and they have to respond a certain way. And it's, it's basically triggering this response, right? That's, that's it, it, it's programming you. It's Pavlov's bell, their dog or whichever analogy you prefer. It's about the idea of training you to respond a certain way and you get a benefit for it. This is the gamification of life. Now think about this in the overlap with the patent, the idea of whether this becomes internal or as you're walking down the street and how you engage with your life and whether you get benefits for, you know, playing the certain game, which then evolves to just basically what you do. Did you buy the right things? Did you do the right? Hey, you get a benefit, right? Did you scan all the QR codes? Hey, you get an extra five cents. That's how this is going to happen. By the way, on a quick side note, I just saw this at the gas station, big sign that says with a big QR code and all it says is get free stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, that's all it said. I'm just thinking to myself, who is this stupid? Now, I'm sorry, I won't insult anybody, but I'm thinking, my God, are you really thinking that they're just giving away free things for nothing? Hey, free things. That's all. Just step up to. No, guys, whatever's happening in that exchange, which they're not, there's no sign that tells you what's happening. You're giving them something. There's data exchange. So you scan the QR code and you probably get your internal information or whatever happens. Well, it's not worth it. We don't want to think it's private information. But at the very least, you're giving them who you are, what time you were there. Give something that they clearly think is beneficial enough to give you things for. Why don't we think about that? Let alone all the ways that can scam you and people can use that to steal from you. So back to this point, here's the first one. I'll just show you this clip really quickly. The better one, the next one is actually far more clear. But here she is, and you'll be confused by it. Mm, mm, coconut, so good. Mmm, coconut so good. Balloon. Grab, 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 grab. Mmm, coconut so good. Grab, 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 grab. Balloon. Grab. Mmm, ice cream so good. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, thank you, BC. You got me feeling like a queen, huh? Thank you, Shelby. Fire, 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 fire. Ooh, gang, 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 gang. Okay. So it's pretty clear that if you didn't know what you're looking at, it's just, what the hell, right? So people are sending her money every time in the form of some kind of requested action. Like you're dealing with an NPC on a computer game or, or, or Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. And the point is that they're, they have pre-programmed responses, right? And they, apparently they're making tons of money like this, some of them anyway. Most of them are very attractive. and like, So here's a good example. This is the one that I saw that just went le- everywhere. And this girl is strikingly gorgeous, right? And so the point is that she's playing some kind of elf NPC, right? And this person writes, feeling my brain reconfigure after I watch this for the 30th time. And I think that's part of it too. There's some kind of weird social engineering happening here. And I really believe this overlaps with this, the 
cryptocurrency or if not just digital ID kind of gamification of life. Apparently someone in the chat says Charlie Robinson did a great episode on this. Well, I haven't seen it, but I'll highly recommend it because Charlie Robinson's outstanding and I'm sure he broke this down for you guys. I'm just doing a quick overview. Let's watch this for a second and you'll see. Oops. Watch this. Damn marshmallow. Crunchy corn, yum! See, on this one, you can actually see the things popping Crunchy up everywhere. Pumpkin yum! Not spicy. Um, 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 ice cream, yum! Kitty boss. Um, ice cream, yum! Once we get to 350, I'll leave. I promise. Stinky swear. Right, so she's like, once we get to the number, so she's trying to, she's making money. Once we get to the number I'm trying to get, I'll do whatever, right? And so, I mean, this is no different than, than any kind of other, you know, it, it's, she's not naked, but like a pornography thing or the, the, the cams where you dump money on them for certain actions. It's a, it's a similar thing. You're essentially prostituting yourself out, not naked, but for whatever this, whatever these people are trying to get from this, right? I mean, ask yourself why people would be dumping money on this. To what end? Because for, they get off on it or they benefit from it or they enjoy it or whatever. Or as something I can't consider. The bottom line is it's a little bit disconcerting to see where this is going. And, and, and you know, I mean, you can see the, the whole, all the actions and the different things. And the, the facial expression. She's trying to act like one of these characters on a game, right? Now, anyway, the, the main point, and I really, to be quite frank, I wanted to make sure people saw this so they don't think I'm losing my mind from, from the Pirates through episode, or I try, imagine trying to describe that without the video. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do, and it wasn't working. But the, yeah, the, it's just, it scares me. Where this is going is terrifying. Now, here is a couple points to end on. As Chris Martinson points out, this, she has no idea what comes next. One of the first examples of this woman, at least on the video, using her palm, her biometrics, not a chip in her hand, but biometrics to scan to pay for her stuff at Amazon. Now, as I understand it, even though I'm willing to bet you they already have this on file, the government, they're just simply going, you know, you have to scan your hand, and then from then on forward, you can scan and you can pay like that, right? Now, what happens when you get to a point to where your social credit score is overlapped with your biometric, which is where the digital ID is going, where the passports for the next virus scam is going, right? So the point is that they can shut it off. Well, what happens when there's no longer the option to pay with cash? And that's all you have left, which is what they're all pushing for right now. Well, you know where that goes. If we're not being honest with ourselves, we can't actually push back on this. And we know this is about setting up a world, as they did with the truckers in Canada, or with Bridgeton, or with Nigel Farage. All these people we're seeing lose their bank accounts. Or Dr. Mercola, who, by the way, after responding, to reached back out to me to get an interview. I want to get him on the show. They shut down his entire bank, his family's banks, his children of the family the, the children of his ceo and his cfo that is punitive that's vindictive and that is what is coming next for everyone that doesn't do what they're told i'll just so you can see this real quick it's, 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 I agree with what, with what he said. She doesn't have any idea what's coming next. Here's the, the post from activist post. Scientists receive green light to merge human brain cells with computer chips. Right, because we all want that, right? That this is in Australia. It's all happening more faster than we can even understand. And I bet you this stuff's already done, quite frankly, and this is just them telling us about it. 
Here's one of the most alarming ones that I wasn't going to get in deep today anyway, but at some point I'm going to do a more broadened out point on just this. Scientists control human DNA with electricity, which, by the way, really overlaps with Charles Lieber and Robert Langer's work in Leap Forward. The point, scientists have demonstrated that human genes, you know, the very things they're manipulating with these gene therapies they're giving everybody, can be controlled with electricity. A breakthrough that could pave the way toward wearable devices that program genes to inform medical interventions, perform medical interventions inside your body. Whitney Webb is the one that shared this with me, and the point is this is the connective point between wearables and implantables. Right? Wearables that can execute things internally and then eventually, well, let's just put it inside so you don't have to deal with it anymore. That's not even a secret. That is exactly what they're telling you is coming. Now, damn it, it's our past two hours and 30 minutes. I wanted to get under two, but I I do believe we're doing better. Now, the ones that go very long, like the four-hour ones, I'm not trying to do short, just so you guys all know. But when I'm I'm genuinely trying in some of these cases to bring it down, but I'm going to end today. I'm going to end today with a video that Orwell shared with me that I really think is powerful. It's a music video. Now, I mean, who knows if it's okay that I play it, but the point is I'm trying to give him, you know, I, I think he's got only like 9,000 followers on, on YouTube, but I guess he posted on TikTok and it's exploded. I don't know how big it is now, but I only just saw it today. It's a fantastic song and it really kind of, it's, I love this kind of music in the first place, but I'm going to end with this. I won't forget. <laughs> Make sure I play it. It's important to me, but it's, it's just, it really, I, I just want to be really honest about this. Is it something, it, 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 it really struck a chord with me. I don't, I was, I was almost confused by it because the song doesn't feel inherently like there's a, there's a very clear kind of a sad longing underneath all of this, this melancholy because of what's happening to people. And as I'm listening to it, I'm really enjoying it. And just, I'm staring off and it just really, I I just broke down. It literally just, it, it like, like a crushing, overwhelming feeling. Like it, I think it's just all of, I didn't realize how much it was weighing on me. All of these people. Oh, the people in Yemen that I barely even talk about, the people in anymore anyway, the people in Palestine, the people in East Palestine, the people all over the world that are being, their lives are being destroyed. People in Palestine where their houses are being destroyed and they're called terrorists. People that are getting shot in front of their families and they're called terrorists. The kind of thing that we're dealing with every day, it's sad. And to realize that these people, and we're not even, I'm talking about overseas. How about just coming home? The people he's talking about. All these people that are living their lives day in and day out, working their asses off for nothing, coming home and drugging themselves and drinking themselves to death because they're just aggressively unhappy. And that's not everybody, but it's far too many people. And it's not because they want to be there. It's because they're being artificially held there. It's, it's, it's your government, guys. They're focusing themselves on you. And by the way, sadly, that's always been what's going on. And we're just finally being able to understand it. So, Big shout out to, um, make sure I just don't want to say it wrong the first time. Big shout out, as you guys can see here. I'll, I'll just show you guys, first of all, the big shout out to Oliver Anthony. The title of the song is Rich Men, North of Richmond. And I just hope this I hope this gives you the same feeling that it gave me. Because, I mean, it made, it made me feel sad, but at the same time, is the pretty much the reason I'm doing a show today. Because we need to do something. Because... There is more of us than there is of them, guys. And there's people just like this person here that is just crying out to the world to do something about it. Find the courage to stand up for people that don't have a voice. Find the courage to be there for people, to fight against the powerful for people that have nothing. 
All they want to do is just live their lives in peace. And these people are trying to shove things down their throat. I love you all. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men north or rich men, Lord knows it all. Just wanna have total control. Wanna know what you think. Wanna know what you do. And they don't think you know, but I know that you do. Cause your dollar ain't shit, and it's taxed to no end. Look out for miners, and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the whole beast milking welfare. Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're three hundred pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground, cause all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know the rich men. you do and they don't think you know but i know that you do because your dollar ain't shit and it's taxed to no end cause the rich men don't the rich men Selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay.